last week I posted something on Facebook and I'm like, artist or not, like, tell me why you like art. Tell me how you want to experience art. Like, what is it that draws you to art? Um, just kind of to, to get an idea of like, who knows about these events that are happening and why aren't people hearing about them? And so mm -hmm. what I noticed is that like, because of my podcast, I'm connected to all these little groups of artists. Um, they're all separate. Like it's a yeah. very, very fractured and rooted different groups. And I'm like, if we could all come together, imagine what we could do. Yo, what's up? This is Boho Hobo, and we welcome you all back to Bindalism, a philosophy to a self-sufficient lifestyle. The purpose of Bindalism is to unlock authentic perspective as we create a community of like-minded individuals who are living a self-sufficient lifestyle. A self-sufficient lifestyle is one in which a human being is activating their self-awareness to curate an authentic life that keeps them sustained mentally, emotionally, and physically in their adventure towards self-fulfillment. Boho Hobo's mission is to support a community that fosters this culture. We will be interviewing a diverse group of people, including artists, creatives, entrepreneurs, and independent thinkers to make this happen. Please join us in this journey as we explore the world and broaden our horizons with discoveries of new perspective. Thank you to everyone who is taking the time to stop by in your journey to give us a listen. We hope you enjoy, and as always, explore endlessly. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode 62. We're here with Aldea Gerard, who is an artist and now a podcast host. Um, but Aldea, if you want to, you know, explain a little bit more about who you are and what you do, we can kind of get into it. Sure. So I'm Aldea. Um, I... I uh, do my artwork under LDAK Creative. From there, I curate art for Cafe Kubal. I'm also a cafe manager there, and I run a podcast out of there. And then we just opened with my business partner, Hey Alec Productions, uh, where we're working on producing a TV show. Mm. Oh, yeah. And uh, what's your TV show going to be called? Uh, so it's under a working title of Off the Wall and Up Close, and it's about... Uh, you know, taking artists and taking them off the wall and getting to know them really well and getting to know Syracuse. So it's going to be staying local to Syracuse. It is. Okay. So, um, how did how did the podcast? Uh, well, I guess first of all, you so you're trying to do a TV show and you're just starting a podcast. There's a lot of stuff all at once. So, like, I guess how did you get involved with doing these things all of a sudden? Um. So. COVID hit mm -hmm. and it hit right before I was supposed to have an art show um, at our co-working space. So I had a bunch of artists who were going to be exposed and have exposure and then not. Mm -hmm. So I made like a YouTube video with them where they got to explain their processes. Um, and I really enjoyed that. And I was also laid off. Okay. So I had nothing to do. So uh, I came up with this great idea. Like, let's start a podcast where I interview artists um, and kind of evolve through this COVID thing and be able to talk to people. Um, so that's, I ran it actually by my boss because we have a studio and he was like, yes, do it. Oh, Here's yeah. the studio, come and mm -hmm. use it. This is what it's for. Um, and then from there, the um, first person that I interviewed was Laura Thorne, who is big into like building the economy in Syracuse and she's a photographer. 
So she reached out to me and said, there's grant funding to make a TV show. Do you want to try and do this? Mm. And then we had a really serious conversation about um, what if we don't get the grant funding? What do we do? And we decided, like, let's just do it anyways. Yeah, why not? Why oh, not? Yeah. <laughs> what are what else do we have? So the benefits of what we're trying to do, like, outweighed any hesitation to do it. Definitely. That's awesome. And I, yeah, and that I don't think anyone else is doing a TV show in Syracuse. Well, at least in not in that, like, format. Right. So I think that's really awesome that that idea is is happening that's well, thank like, you we're trying <laughs> so how far along in this process are you with the tv show so we are we have an rfp out uh currently i think they're due today back to us from production companies so we're trying to get a base budget for what it's going to cost us to make a pilot so then we can take that to investors and try and get mm. people to invest in what we're doing yeah that's cool so um, you'll have the grant funding You'll have the crowdfunding as well. Yeah, that's what we're um, trying to work yeah. on, to have something to show people to be like, this is what we're trying to do and to show how it can impact Syracuse. Are you going to have a GoFundMe as well? Uh, for... We haven't really gotten that far. Hmm. So we're think we're hopeful that we can get um, investors in it. So the really cool thing about bringing a TV show to Syracuse is it builds our local economy so much that we're hoping that that benefit makes people really want to buy into it and support what we're doing. Hmm. Yeah. And I feel like in terms of costs, uh, Syracuse is just less expensive to do things like that anyway. So yeah. that, that should be a benefit as well, I would I would think. Um, so why don't you why don't we go back a little bit and kind of get your backstory a little bit? Like okay. so you're an artist at heart, I, from what it looks like on your Instagram. <laughs> so how did how did you get into art and you know, doing all these creative things? Oh man, so you could go back like all the way to grade school, super into art, was very good at it. But also I went to Chittenango, which are you guys from around here? Yeah. yeah. So you we know where Chittenango Phoenix. is? Yeah. Uh, yellow brick sidewalks, tiny mm -hmm. town, all of Wizard it. Of Oz. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, the thing with a small town is when you're good, you're the best. Hmm. When you're not good, you're you're just not. So I was always the best. I graduated, went to college being the best, and then got smacked in the face with reality. Hmm when I went to art school. Mm. And uh, so I, you know, went to art school, failed out of art school. Like I wasn't prepared to go to college. It wasn't like a decision I probably should have made at that time or really like given more thought to it. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> but yeah, picked myself up, got into a different college, you know, ended up at Casanova. Uh, I did not finish at Casanova. And from there I gave up my art. I stopped doing art for, I don't know, probably like four or five years. Wow. Mm. Like I didn't do it. I had uh, two stepsons that I started taking care of. So I worked full time, you know, had my kids. And then uh, probably about four years ago, moved to Syracuse and met Ryan Wood. Honestly, I was just eating dinner with him. Um, but he pretty much said like, I like made a painting or two just out of boredom. And he's like, these are really good. Like, come to public arts task force and he kind of like ushered me in and I was so shy and like socially anxious and awkward um but it was like what I needed was for somebody to be like come get that push mm. yeah, yeah yeah so uh yeah I pretty much owe everything I do to that fire from him to starting to do it um and then from there I just continued to paint for the past four years and 
who we are. (laughs) So what exactly is the public arts? uh, Jesus. What was it? Public public? arts task force. Task force. That's the word. Um, Just for anyone who's not familiar. Yeah. So public arts task force is um, under 40 below and, or no, it's not 40 below anymore. It's, Adapt CNY's Public Arts Task Force now. They changed their name, I want to say, about two years ago. Um, But so it's just a group of artists and people who love art. um, And we work to get public arts into the city of Syracuse. I think the last project we did before COVID was a bench for the park. So we have grant funding and we know how to get grant funding. So we work uh, with other artists to kind of make those projects come to to fruition. That's awesome. So Mm. I guess... How how long have you been a part of this? Uh, for four years now. Four years, wow. Yeah. So what what would you say your I guess your favorite project that you've been a part of during that time? Oh, we painted the wind the uh, boards for the one house one house initiative. So basically, they go to the houses that are like on they're like dilapidated. People don't live in them. They're pretty big eyesores. Mm-hmm. And we paint these big boards and they put them up over the windows. So there's actually art on these houses instead of just broken windows or plywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that, pretty cool. That was cool. We did it here downstairs before oh, it was, nice. you know. Oh, right. Well, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy to think about this building, like, you know, not even that long ago. Right. <laughs> I haven't been here in about a year and it's just completely different. So Yeah, definitely. I swear every time, like the first time we, I think it's our second episode of Bindalism, um, we interviewed Drew Shoup, who's the owner of the print hub, and we did it on this floor actually. And it was back like what you were saying, there was just stuff everywhere. <laughs> you know, there was like a big, the big sectional couch was up here. It was just was kinda... Headless Big Bird mm. up here? Because that's uh, my favorite. It's clear, totally clear. Yeah. No, yeah. I, either it was on this floor or the third floor. I forget. I mean, Pretty much every at that point, yeah. At that point, nothing had been built out here, so it was uh, very interesting to just watch the progression of the building. Mm. Right. Yeah, it's very cool. Um. So, you've been doing art for a very long time. What What type of art, I guess, is your main thing? It's it's so it's changed so much. So for a long time, I did oil paintings, like strictly oil paintings, and then uh. Again, and it, I did very tight-handed oil paintings, and I wanted to be, like, picture-perfect portrait painter. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic hit, and I was like, this is not enough. <laughs> uh, so I just tried to start loosening up, and through that, I found watercolors, and I love those. So now I do both oil paints and watercolors. Um, and the I, watercolors was brand new? Yeah, and, so wow. I had used them, like, in grade school, and I hadn't touched them since, so... Mm-hmm. But they're so fun and they're less predictable than oil paintings. So it was like really nice to have something like to force me to give up control of what I was doing, but like something that had no control to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then you could also like add to it with the oil painting. No, you can't mix structure. them together. No, oh, okay. no not water mm-hmm. and oil. So um, you can add things to your oil paints to thin them out so they're like watercolors. Mm. But then what happens is the longevity of your paint, does it doesn't last very long because you've thinned down your pigment. Mm. So it's kind of either one or the other. Because so. oil goes on thick, right? <laughs> it can. I mean, you have the cool thing about oils is you have like full control over their viscosity mm. and, and stuff. It's more like science because yeah. you get to mix oils and pigments and paint thinners and so it's highly toxic too (laughs) yeah that's what i've heard 
because I, I so uh, I don't know if you know Sean Morgan. He's a tattoo artist at. Um, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, but anyways, he he lives next door and he does oil paintings and it always leaves like a very cool texture to mm-hmm. the finished product, which I really like that yeah. that side of oils. Yeah, there you just have you can do so much with them. So no, when you're growing up, oil was the the main. Uh, no, so I didn't get to touch oils until I went to college. Oh, okay. uh, before that, it was acrylic, and then I found oils and realized how much I hate acrylic paint. <laughs> and I have not like I taught I taught at painting with a twist for a little while, okay. and I used acrylics there, and I like that's the only time I've touched them since college. Got you. Oh wow! So. so so when you're the best painter around in Chittenango, <laughs> you're using a- using acrylics. acrylics, yeah, yeah. Which I feel like acrylics are kind of like what the average person would go to. Oh yeah, to start painting. Yeah, so. and and they're not as again they're not as toxic, so it's easier to use because if you don't have like the proper ventilation. It, it could you get headaches and all mm. sorts of stuff yeah so i always yeah I've, I've never like used oils but i always just hear about it and i'm like <laughs> i don't know if i want to try just for that <laughs> sake because like i'm not like a, enough of an avid painter to really like want to right it's also expensive mm. so yeah if I, it's like a like drugs don't start yeah <laughs> don't start you won't it's get bad addicted because once you do it, you're like, but it's the best. I don't care if I die. <laughs> um, so with with this podcast, I'm just very interested. Um, I guess what what's your vision for it? Like, what do you what are you trying to do with the podcast? Uh, so basically, I just am trying to expose artists, pe- like artists and creative people and entrepreneurs. Um, I have like this like belief that through like through raising each other up we raise everybody up so Mm -hmm. it's not just like i help raise other people up because i know it elevates myself too Mm. um i was never a person who was very selfish i never like i mean money is important to a certain extent but it's not about making money but it's about like if we can build a firmer uh community through our artists then everybody can benefit and we'll all be valued more Mm -hmm. um so that's pretty much what it's about learning from each other and you know building that foundation so we can build a stronger house yeah and i think that's really important i I think that's kind of like what we've been doing with our our podcast is just giving a platform to artists and creatives in the area mostly that um really haven't been given that chance to talk about what they're doing and i guess share with the general public that there is really cool things Mm -hmm. happening right yeah Yeah. i feel like definitely in syracuse there's a big underground culture uh, that doesn't get out mm-hmm. to the mainstream public, but uh, having platforms and social media, it's like bringing it more to the attention of how cool Syracuse is. Right, right. So that's what I tell people constantly. Like I said, I was on that. I was on another podcast, and they thought I was from New York City. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm from Syracuse, and it's it's a small city, but we have so much talent, mm, and there's definitely. so many like creative people here that like, why couldn't it be New York City for art? Yeah, and everyone Seriously. has that drive too. They right. want their voice to be heard right yeah. now. Yeah. I think it's interesting because Syracuse is a small market that we kind of have to battle with that. Like almost, it's almost like sometimes I feel like we're in a void and people are looking to New York City or Boston or right. places around us. And it's like, we're, we're literally right in your <laughs> line of sight. You just are not like, 
It's like when you like lose your keys and it's in plain sight, but you just right, keep looking right. around it. It's like we're there. Yeah, you'll find yeah. us. And exactly. I just that's I a always, good point. Yeah, yeah, I always just wonder though, like what what the thing is gonna be that really like puts Syracuse back on the map, right? Because I feel like there's this. Oh, uh, it's gonna be us. Yeah, it's gonna be art. I, I just and feel the like creatives. over the last few years, so um, Kyle and I have been at college um for like the mid two thousand teens. Um, and so we've both been living back here for a couple of years now. And I feel like since we've both been back, things have been progressively getting more, like I can feel this pressure kind of bubbling yeah. in this underground artist community where it's like, things are starting to happen and you're starting to see it with like development in Syracuse. And there's just a lot of cool stuff that is kind of coming yeah. to a culmination. It's this, really cool. That's the thing that's really hard about the pandemic is like, you could yeah. feel it right before that pandemic hit, like uh the tech garden was gro- is growing yeah. and getting bigger this came up and more things you know more apartments in the gear factory became open there's so much potential that was right on the brink and then the you know pandemic hit and but the really cool thing that i'm noticing is that um the change comes from creatives the people like you and me are the ones that are like mm-hmm. okay well we have a problem let's solve it yeah, you know, it's it's the people who think creatively that are really like taking bounds and leaps and changing things for the better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And to kind of piggyback off of what you're saying with um how everyone ends up like branching off to uh, New York City or California or whatever it may be, um I think the thing that we need with Syracuse is people just leading the front and organizing because we have a lot of talent, like you're saying. But if we don't point that talent into a direction, then it's ends up being really dispersed and right it's like shotgun fire where it just sprays everywhere yeah. and then we don't have this like pinpointed force of like i don't know breaking the veil and like right, right. showing have, like the yeah. true like potential and, like little like, but we need to tributaries. find a way to channel it all right right yeah. yeah yeah exactly um it's funny because last week i posted something on facebook and i'm like artist or not like tell me why you like art tell me how you want to experience art like what is it that draws you to art um just kind of to to get an idea of like who knows about these events that are happening and why aren't people hearing about them and so Mm -hmm. what I noticed is that like because of my podcast I'm connected to all these little groups of artists um they're all separate like it's a very very fractured and rooted different groups and i'm like if we could all come together imagine what we could do yeah and i think that's what's really important about having a podcast similar to ours is and i mentioned this in our last episode well the one that we're about to release is that through our podcast we've been able to kind of bridge that gap between groups because we interview say this one person from this group and then someone else who comes on listen to that episode and then you know one way or another they end up connecting and it's like boom there we go yeah the gap Mm -hmm. yeah exactly they have that mutual like uh connection because they're both on the podcast for example right it helps too that i curate art for cafe kubal because then it's not only like you're on my podcast it's like come and show your art here Mm -hmm. or vice Mm -hmm. versa you come and show and i'm like you know what, I want to hear your story. Why don't you come on my podcast and talk about this? Yeah. But I have people that end up showing together that don't even know each other. And, you know, they come out of it knowing more people. Yeah. And I think that's very important to like what we're talking about, just like bridging. Because I think in order for this kind of movement to reach the general public, it has to be like more connected within this mm. art 
art and entrepreneur community first. Right. Like, yeah. If everyone kind of is on the same page about like what we're trying to do with Syracuse, because you know a lot of people, at least like growing up, have been very you know naysayers to Syracuse or just down talking like this place sucks, blah blah blah. And it's like, okay, well, that's not a solution. Right, right. So, like, if we have to be the solution people, like, <laughs> I, I'm glad that, like, it's starting to really hmm. start to happen. You right, know? right. And, and I feel like we're in a very good uh, situation with just the tech innovation of uh, social media allowing us. It's so accessible now to start up a podcast. Right. So now the only thing holding us back where it was before capital investment and all the news media a big conglomerate like networks holding us back from breaking into that industry. Now the only thing holding us back is working hard. Just right, put in ourselves. the effort. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> we can we can make it happen. Right. So it's really funny that like I'm a firm believer of that. Like the only thing that holds you back is yourself. Um again, yeah. like I never thought a year ago like so super social anxiety. Like I had trouble I couldn't do this hmm. a year ago a year or two years ago. That's gross. I was going to say, you're, right. you're killing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, but yeah, if you told me two years ago that I was going to, you know, try and produce a TV show, I'd be like, you're nuts. <laughs> like, I don't know how to do that. And and I don't know how to do that, but you figure it out because who else is going to do it? Yeah. Very true. <laughs> and it's things like that that are going to progress that momentum that we're feeling. And like, yeah, like I, I wanted to hit on this. I forgot to when, when you were talking about the pandemic hitting. I feel like that the pandemic kind of halted some of the momentum, but at the same time, um, it's something Kyle and I have talked a lot about. This period of time has been a huge skill building mm -hmm. opportunity for anyone who's a creative. I mean, even if you're not, maybe there, I feel like there's a lot of people who found creativity through the pandemic out of sheer boredom. Right. Yeah. And this skill building uh, time is kind of, going to build pressure that when this is over it's going to be like an explosion yeah. of of events and art and just cool things happening right and people are going to want to go mm, yeah they've been in their house for a year Good and, point. Yeah. and <laughs> I, I i can't stress it enough like how much i i hope that anyone listening like takes advantage of the, the whatever time we have left of this not that we want it to endure for that much longer mm. but like prepare yourself for mm. getting back out there because like right you start know? creating yeah you don't want to be left behind when like everything starts going <laughs> right. popping off you know yeah. you want to be a part of that right and there's especially here in syracuse there's plenty of opportunity for any creative to be a part of like the movement to like right right generally speaking if you it. if you at least have an idea and you're willing to put in the effort syracuse is like okay come and do yeah. it <laughs> yeah and uh yeah we're also like collaborative here too right That's what's yeah nice about it i don't feel this competition of like oh i'm trying to get better like i think if you went down to new york city there's more of that like stepping on each yeah. other's toes yeah it's hard feel. to be seen in new york city from what yeah. i hear whereas with here so it's like people. everyone's banding yeah. together right and we want to support each other right yeah and yeah I don't, I don't i don't know it's just like uh this this topic always comes up but like downtown like syracuse is it's kind of weird for a lot of people because like there's what's the attraction to come here right right you got syracuse university and you have the mall and it's like how can we create a place downtown that really draws people here and you know maybe it's shopping maybe it's a cafe but like maybe it's you know more like art exhibits things things that are interactive with people right. and events you know more event 
type mm-hmm. stuff that will draw people from other cities or towns to come here. Yeah. And that, that really does come from us. So exactly. Yeah. That's, you know, in part what we're trying to do with the show is to give people a reason to come here. Yeah. So it, mm-hmm. it's a pretty, it's got like, you know, it's a threefold show. We want to expose artists and we want to expose small business, but we want people to come here. We yeah. need people from outside of our city to come in and invest in it and mm. make purchases and support the small business. Yeah. From your uh, own experience, uh, have you figured out the best way that you've seen this to be of like a positive impact? Like the the most impactful way you can draw people in to Syracuse or um, from your observations with like other cities <laughs> or anything like that? No. So pretty much um, it, it's marketing. It, I think that because I my personal opinion is that because, you know, we have all these artists, but they stick to their own groups um, because we have that. We don't have a strategic marketing plan as our whole arts culture. Yeah. And if we had something strategic with social media and stuff like that, there's so much opportunity for us to reach a broader base. We just have to figure out how to reach the suburbs and then, you know, outside mm-hmm. of the suburbs in Rochester and Buffalo. Yeah. This is what we talked with Michael John about. Yeah, yeah, no, really. And it's been, it's honestly been like every couple episodes, it, this topic really comes yeah. up and it's, it's exciting. Oh. But again, it's kind of be like, well, what's that step going to be? Like, how are we going to, right. And so my mom works, um, she's a part of the board at the Everson. And I feel like even the Everson is kind of disconnected from the underground art yeah. community that's happening. And like, if anything, I feel like the Everson should be like a hub for mm. what we're totally. all trying to do. Right. Like yeah. they have the the that funding and those connections to I guess people with more money. Right. So, yeah, it's even just like making that connection. Right. Um, needs to happen really. Yeah. Um, so I've been trying to work on a marketing plan per se mm-hmm. um, that connects all of us as artists, but still allows us to be in our own individual groups without mm-hmm. me taking on a lot of extra responsibility. <laughs> so that's a big problem right. here is like, how much can I really balance in yeah. my life? Um, yeah, because I have, you know, a child and I work full time mm-hmm. and I do all this other stuff. So um, yeah, I think that's like the entrepreneur in you too. It's like <laughs> trying to figure out a system that you just let go and then it builds organically. Right, yeah. right. It's like right. building the concept, but letting the community itself kind of self run it. Right, yeah. So like, can I share my idea? Go for yeah. it. I'm yeah, so that's excited. What this is for. So I was thinking about um, taking over the hashtag like Syracuse, like Syracuse artist, um, so that each individual group creates their own image with their artwork or their style. So we now have like the Black Artist Collective, which has been super active lately. Their art is different from Cathedral, and their mm-hmm. art is different from the guilds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But if we all took it upon our own groups to make these individual things and like hashtag Syracuse artists. Like I am a Syracuse artist. It doesn't matter what group I'm in, but this is my group and this is my art and this is yeah. my base hashtag Syracuse artist. Right. And cause... what that does is it pools all of our data into one hashtag. Yeah. So that we can, you know, so people looking for art can just hashtag Syracuse artists and you find mm. everybody. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. That's my idea. That's yeah. definitely a, a great idea. <laughs> and we'll uh, hashtag this episode with that yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Gotta but get it's as it simple as that. Right. Yeah, it's right. just thinking big picture enough to yeah. see like all the entire landscape of how we can include everyone. Right. Right. It's like a, so I tell people it's like a game in my mind. You got to like line up the pieces to figure out how to get to the people you need to speak to. Mm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I've I almost like the 
you know talking about this and i know like we have the the ta the art task force but like i feel like something like similar to that but on a bigger scale in syracuse would be really beneficial because like i guess the task force is more towards like grant money and stuff like that right. but like even just having like a board of just you know artists in the area and after the pandemic and just meet up and talk big ideas right. about the city right well so each of these groups generally has like a leader mm -hmm. or somebody who is like really active and pushing for it and i'm you know been toying with the idea of like we need to all for this hashtag thing i was like we need to all get together and like really talk, talk. about this and make this happen to benefit everybody and my head just keeps yelling like come and counsel we need mm. like an artist common council yeah where, something like that yeah where we can just like because again if we don't work together our voices yeah, are not heard power numbers yeah and like and plenty of entrepreneurs slash creative people have the connections to um the local government to help you know push initiatives forward mm -hmm. and i you know even if it was you know we vote on big a big thing that we want to happen for the city and everyone's in agreement for it that that extra those extra voices really helps push those initiatives right. forward right and i think sometimes people feel like their voices aren't heard but what i've realized again super anxious couldn't talk in public what i've mm -hmm. realized is you need to claim your space and yeah. somebody will share that voice with you so so as far yeah. as uh, conquering your anxieties, um, <laughs> what did you do to be able to oh, conquer this is, that? This is a really fun story. Um, so laid off in the pandemic, super busy all the time. And then I had nothing. Wow. And yeah. so it's got to be jarring. Yes, very <laughs> jarring. And then I had to learn how to deal with myself. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wow, I've been doing all of this stuff, literally just running from my anxiety. And now I just have anxiety and nowhere to run. Um, so I got a therapist and nice. talked out some issues and really worked through things. Um, the thing I found awesome about the therapist, it's an equalizer. So I had very like warped perspectives of things. Like I thought people were always like looking at me and judging me and mm. um, all this stuff. And she's like, no, that's not really the case. Um, so the therapy really helped me be able to understand that, um, there's like people who are anxious, like there can be one thing that makes you anxious and then you're anxious about that. But when you have anxiety, you have anxiety and then you have stressors. So when you're anxious in your day, those stressors are harder for you. It's not one thing that triggers it. You are mm -hmm. just anxious. So being able to separate the anxiety from the boxes I put the anxiety in, like I thought all this stuff was stressing me out, but really the case is this stuff's always there. I'm just anxious. Um, and being able to separate that and learning how to separate that helps me deal with it. So I know mm. like in this moment, I am anxious. It's not A, B, or C that is making me anxious. I'm anxious and I put that on A, B, or C. Where do you think the root of the anxiousness comes from? Um, cause like you're the way I'm envisioning it is like you have this, you had a base level of anxiety mm -hmm. and then on top of that, there was like stemming off other triggers causing more anxiety. Yeah. So like, what was the, the, I guess the root um, thing that was stemming off of everything yeah, else? So I had really low self-esteem and mm. I had no confidence. 
Um, it wasn't until about three years ago that I like I changed how I ate and I started working out. So I was a lot heavier than I am now. Um, and so that was a big, big part of it. Mm. Also, as I've like lost weight and progressed to be a healthier human, you get body dysmorphia. So I feel the same as I did three years ago. My husband has to constantly remind me like you've lost 60 pounds. Mm. Like you did a good job. You're healthy. You can run on a treadmill. Like I need that mm. constant reminder from him to like even realize it. So a lot of it was just rooted in like, I didn't think anybody would want to be friends with me. I didn't think mm. anybody would want to talk to me. I had very low confidence and self-esteem. So well, I'm definitely glad that you've <laughs> gotten through that. Well, thank you. Or maybe not fully, but like you're definitely yeah. on a, a lot farther progress. Well, exactly. You realize like your head warps things you know it's human yeah. nature to like perception isn't all in your vision or what you see so i know like so the other day like i got very anxious at the gym i was there alone every machine was taken and i didn't know what to do so i walked out and after i walked out i was like why did i do that and i'm like mm. everybody was staring at me and i was like nope your brain is telling you that but that's not really nobody cares yeah like nobody's really watching you and i'm mm. like oh brain <laughs> yeah so what it sounds like a lot is like changing your thought patterns then yeah because and it's like uh do you think that it's not reality that's causing you to have those thoughts but it's like you're um you're skewing reality in a way oh yeah yeah it's like an illusion almost mm -hmm. yeah pretty much um yeah it's it's your inner voice like i have an inner voice that pretty much will be like no you're stupid <laughs> oh you look ugly today and it's it's a constant reminder that that voice is wrong that mm. that voice is my judgments on myself and that's not the vision of the rest of the world yeah. so it takes a lot of practice it's taken me like almost the whole pandemic to get here where i am um but yeah it's just realigning your thoughts and and understanding that like that's my critical voice that's not anybody else's voice mm. and is this like a daily practice you do journal uh, it or? gets so it gets easier like uh the longer i've had to do it i don't have to do it as much but when i start to feel anxious like i have to remind myself it's just anxiety you're fine you've done this before or you can do this look at everything you've done um so at first like it was an everyday thing I had to tell myself every day, like, you're worthy, you're worth something, mm. and you're special, and it's okay. Affirmations. Yeah, yeah. Very helpful. Exactly. And now, like, only when you need it. So, mm. you know, you grow. Yeah. The more you do it and affirm yourself, the more you believe it and see it. Yeah, mm. definitely. And hopefully over time, you won't even have to do it at all. Right. That's the thought. Mm. Yeah. But you're definitely, like, that That should be very empowering for a lot of people because so many people will deal with anxiety, right. you know? And that's why I talk about it. Nobody yeah. ever wants to talk about it. I'm like, no, I'll talk about it. I'll tell you all about it because it's real. You got to normalize it. Yeah. Right. It's normal. And it's like the people don't want to talk about it might just be insecure because they're dealing with it themselves. Right. And they just don't want right. to deal with it. You know? Yeah. I really think that um, if we can talk about our vulnerabilities, we remember that we're all human and mm -hmm. it normalizes mm -hmm. things that people aren't comfortable talking about. And there's no reason Definitely. to be uncomfortable talking about anxiety. It's a normal thing. Yeah. It's uh, uh, part of our culture that I think has been unfortunately a thing for a very long time. And uh, I'm very thankful that uh, the the younger generations have really brought to the forefront that it's like, well, 
that's not we're not living that way anymore (laughs) right right this is not okay we deserve better (laughs) yeah yeah. no one wants to walk around feeling like unworthy to just be alive (laughs) right which is yeah that's wild um i'm trying to i'm trying to think of uh something here uh sorry i'm very long day. <laughs> you know what? I wake up at four in the morning. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> because the people who have to make the coffee have to be up right, before the yeah. people who need coffee. Oh, mm. that's very true. <laughs> so how long have you been working with Cafe Kubal? So I've been there for almost a year and a half. Okay. So, um, and so you said you do the podcast out of the their co-working yeah. space. You want to talk about the co-working space a of little bit? Of course. Um, so our co-working space is at 208 North Townsend. There's big trolley mural on the front. Um, so the co-working space is on the second and third floor. The first floor, we have a cafe and that's where we roast all our coffee. So all our coffee is roasted like local, fresh, and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the co-working space, you can, there's like offices, but there's also big open spaces. And the whole idea of it is that, um, is this, is, you know, networking and meeting people and, you know, getting better ideas off of each other and just having a place where you can go mm-hmm. and be creative and do your thing, but also with other people. Um, I'm, I'm glad you're mentioning it. I didn't even know that they had a studio out of Cafe Cabal. Yeah. So we have a podcast studio and there's a photo studio up there too. We have like one of those warpy walls. Oh, I don't oh, know yeah. what they're called. They yeah. got some fun house things. Well, it's like the... a white wall, right? Yeah. It's white psych wall. That's what, mm. oh. that's what it is. It's called a psych wall. So we have that. Um, yeah. There's some cool stuff in there. And is that just, is that open use for people who pay to use the co-working space? Yep. So you can pay to use it. Um, I think they have like different monthly plans or you can go and buy a day pass and use it for the day. That's cool. So yeah. And then if you do work there, you get like a discount in our cafes. So okay. that's also pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. And I mean, Kubal is like all over the city. So fast coffee. Ever. <laughs> I think it's, I think that's great that there's, several uh like i think it's like recess salt salt city and kubal that yeah i'm glad that we don't have a bunch of yeah and peace that we don't have a bunch of starbucks and duncan's like everywhere right right kind of just push push that stuff out there's only like one or two in the Mm. city yeah there's not very many here yeah Yeah. maybe oh yeah there's one the one starbucks and armory and i know there's a duncan here and one on the other side of downtown but like i think that's great i think yeah I mean, I think the bigger cities have that issue where there's just so much of the commercial cafe type stuff. Like every block is another Starbucks. Where did I go? I went to uh, Maryland, Maryland? Rockville, Maryland to see my brother-in-law. And I, we get there and I'm like, I need coffee. Do you have a coffee shop? And he's like, there's a Starbucks. And I was like, I'm sorry, you don't have like just coffee shops? And he's like, no. What is that? Right? (laughs) Right? I'm like. You live just outside of D.C. What do you mean you have no, like, local coffee shops? What is this? And he's like, no, we got Starbucks. I'm Mm. like, oh, my gosh. Okay. I guess I'll go get that. (laughs) So now when it comes to coffee, what's your favorite kind? Uh, So I'm a huge fan of our Brazil roast. It's just Mm. a medium roast. But uh, it's the same roast that's used for espresso. And I love it. But it's got, like, peanut notes and chocolate Mm. notes. And it's just it's Mm. perfect. So what what is it like working uh, at Cafe Kubal? Uh it's pretty cool. I'm a big fan. Um, 
I really, there's a lot of things that I believe in that Cafe Kubal really stands for, mm-hmm. which is mostly like local. We try to source everything as local as possible. We make everything in house, you know, for the most part, we roast our own coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, the owner, he is like very supportive of art. And like, if I want to do it, he's very supportive and he doesn't take a huge part in the art stuff, but he's like, do it. Um, yeah. so you can't really replace that with anything. Somebody who's willing to like support you and cheer you on. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's very necessary. Cause like he's doing like the entrepreneur side of things, right. which is still beneficial to the local economy and right. the cool things happening. So, you know, sometimes you don't have to have your hand in everything. Right. Kind of right. It's just nice to like to work at a place that has the same ideals that you do. Yeah, so. for sure. Definitely. And I've always kind of felt that vibe with any of the, the local cafes around mm-hmm. here that that's kind of like the vibe going right. on. It's like a good place to do work or whatever, connect with people. Yeah. And it, yeah, there's that, that chain, the chain like restaurant or uh, cafe thing just doesn't have ever have that vibe no. to me. No, we always say like coffee connects people. Like if you drink coffee, if you drink tea, we got like hot milk. Just come and hang out. Yeah, that's kind of like what Roji was too. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad, sad. that it's closed. I heard they might be opening back up. Oh wow, well, that'd be nice. I don't know where I heard that though. So it's I don't always... think it was a reputable source. Mm. <laughs> mm. Do you know the owner there? I don't. No, it would be cool to have him or her on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I think he reached out at one point. I tried, but then they were closing, so yeah. that makes sense why they didn't it, reach it out. It should back. be interesting, like post pandemic, to see because, like, I know there is definitely a handful of businesses that closed, and it's not like sure whether or not they're just done, or right. if they were just like, we need to save money, let's just close right. shop for now, and then we'll reconvene at a later date. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really hope that some of these businesses that close, you know, come back. And oh, I know some of them are like more. such big staples to our mm. city too, like Roji. Like, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. I had huge friends loss. from Binghamton that would drive up just for Roji. Right. Yeah. It was great. Right. I mean, it was always like popping when <laughs> yeah. people were there. And it was fun to sit there. They just yeah. had a good vibe. I think that was the issue with their their setup is that it really is uh you have to kind of be right. in there. Yeah, nobody to... wants to grab a cup like you can get a cup of tea to go anywhere. Mm. Right. It's, it's the yeah. vibe, it's the yeah. experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like we're especially um after COVID ends and we get back to the regular world. But I feel like it's in terms of economics, we're seeing this like societal shift where businesses are more gearing towards the whole experiential mm-hmm. side of that and trying to bring community together yeah so it'll be cool to see what happens um, i agree especially we... like you see a lot of local businesses popping up even through this pandemic mm-hmm. um and that's awesome to know that like us as residents and people who live in syracuse are taking back you know our city and these streets mm-hmm. and it's you like, you know, the whole vision is that you go downtown and you're supporting downtown. You're supporting Syracuse. Right. You're supporting you and you mm. and people you know and can put faces to. Yeah. And I always, I always hit on this. Like, I, I'm, I probably say it like four podcasts in a row, <laughs> but like the idea of Destiny USA just disappearing. Yeah. Forever, yeah. Which would be the greatest mm. thing ever. I it think. Um, I be- mean, it's a huge hit to our taxes. Like, we put a lot of money mm. into it and for yeah. it to fail, but hey, maybe the artist will take it over too. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> I 
I think there's so there's so many vacant spaces in Syracuse, downtown Syracuse, that haven't been touched for decades. And, you know, let's build a brand new mall instead of, right. like, investing into the actual city itself. Right. And I just think that that is one of those big uh, dominoes that needs to yeah. get pushed yeah. for, for Syracuse to really start thriving a, lo- a little yeah, bit more. Because, um, like, mm-hmm. things like what Michael John did with uh, McCarthy Mercantile, like, right. that is super necessary, especially for small business people. Yeah. Like, a lot of those businesses came up during the pandemic. Right. And how many of those people without the mercantile w- would have had a platform? Like, right. none of them would have yeah. had a, a right. shop or a space. Yeah. So. It's it's very nice. Ne- yeah, because there's definitely plenty of vacant spots that need, you know, renovations or whatnot because they haven't been touched in God knows how long. Right. And so, I mean, <clears throat> I know uh, the old Woolworths building is getting, like... <laughs> It's like a Dollar General, but like it's like a, a weird version of the Dollar General <laughs> that's supposed to be more geared yeah. towards like inner like downtown like young people. I don't know. Oh, Not God. necessarily what I wanted to be right. put there, but like at least some as a something. young person that's not what you want. <laughs> as a young person, I have to say poor choice, Syracuse. Um but in, in any event, I'd rather see something be in that space than for it to just be a giant building in the, on the, the main stretch of downtown right. to just sit empty. Right. You and know? those buildings have so much character and history to them. They're beautiful. Yeah. They're over like, 100 years old. Right. You know? Love them. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's just so many, so many spaces in Syracuse that I think that that's a big draw that I see as like an just observing is that I think something that people from other cities like how can we draw that tourism in i really think it's the history of syracuse that really should draw people in yeah and because like you know 100 years ago syracuse was one of the biggest cities in the country right you know it's like so many cool things yeah and so like there's that history is there it's just how can we project it more right right like i found out the other day we had one of the first ferris wheels Hmm. that is so cool yeah. Why does anybody talk about that? <laughs> it was like <laughs> I, I like learned the other day that we were like at one point we create we were producing the most typewriters in in all right. of North America. I was like, what? Right. And the oh. foot thing, everybody knows yeah. that foot thing that measures yeah. Syracuse. That the shot clock for <laughs> basketball, like right? Syracuse has a lot of like very important inventions right. that we were created cool here. Mm. <laughs> but I, I bet if you you know left say leave new york even in new york i'm sure people wouldn't know any of that right. knowledge right it's like should be known like right. why not right so i'm a huge advocate for taking down 81 for yes so, so yeah. people can Snaps. see our city yes <laughs> huge are... development opportunity right? too it's like open that space back up let people you it's, know yeah let it's the gonna city make it. businesses come back because mm. people are gonna be traveling and they need things yeah yeah it's <laughs> What a terrible, like, I, I always think about the history of why 81 was put in and, oh, like, yeah. the decisions that were made during that time. And the more I did research on it, the more oh, just yeah. disgruntled I got. Me too. I was like, really? <laughs> like, I want to be, like, passionate and, and excited for Syracuse, but, like, understanding some of its history makes me really sad. Yeah. No, I agree. I, uh, again, so so it's really funny that we talk about the 81 thing because I grew up in Chenango. 
it's it's a completely different world than Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And in Chittenango, you don't know that like eighty one decimated a whole like cultural population yeah. in Syracuse. You don't know that. And so when I moved here and I'd seen the pioneer homes, I'm like, what are these? I want to know more about mm-hmm. them. And I did all this research, and I'm like. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Bad. Like, have you ever seen, um, I, some people have done it, but they, I think, um, on like Syracuse history page, you can see like he, he did uh before and after pictures, uh, aerial shots oh, of yeah. that area. And it's like, you just made a bunch of like conglomerate homes for these people. Right. Like, so how right. terrible. Right. And, and the 81 traffic all those people have like horrible lung issues and asthma and stuff just yeah. from the traffic there. It's like, see, and, and they're stuck. Like they're stuck in systematically poor places and they can't get a, yeah. ahead. So and you, and you know. that area was a predominantly minority run businesses and things like that. Right. And they were just like, guess what? We don't care that yeah. you're here. Right. It was beautiful and, too. Yeah. They had like all, the, I've seen all these old pictures of it. I'm like, this was awesome. Why would you do this? Money. Unfortunately, yeah. Well, right. that and unfortunately racism. You're right, um, right. You know, yeah. You can look at plenty of other cities that have done very similar, if not worse, things to their minority communities. And I just, as much as I know that racism is still unfortunately a thing that's happening, um, I really hope that like our city's better than that and right. they can push through that like learn from that bad history right. and and use getting rid of 81 as a great start to like progress the city right. forward yeah and i i want to say that's really their hope like oh, I, I don't hope I, hope. I hope it's not just because it's crumbling which right <laughs> thank you mother nature for helping us out right. a little bit <laughs> right it's gonna be like when the berlin wall comes down we're yeah. like take down 81 yeah. seriously <laughs> like i hope there's like a celebration when they take take down the oh, first like bridge or something <laughs> right we'll just do it we'll just have one because like yeah it's gonna mess up a lot of people's travel routes but it's like hopefully now instead of people just driving through syracuse and never once being like you know i've never actually stopped right here right. i've always just driven through it's like i've never spent money mm, here. yeah it's like maybe you'll actually <laughs> stop here sometime right and it's so pretty i mean not so much when there's snow i'm not a big snow lover but it's so pretty. Like you, you can just walk like two blocks, and there's like something amazing to mm, see and yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Like Syracuse during the summer is like one of my, or even like when when things start to bloom in, right. in like early spring. Just yeah. to, like when the sun hits at about six thirty in the morning, that's when like spring starts to come, and like I think that's when Syracuse starts to really shine. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I feel like Thornton Park is probably the best place to go in summer uh, in Syracuse I just love how uh that they have the seating area there mm-hmm. and it's kind of like raised with within the the grass and the ground and then you have this like span of trees all around and the stage in there like right. I feel like we should be doing events there like why right. why aren't we <laughs> so cathedral I think did a couple events there like drawing events mm. that they did but again it's exposure nobody knows it's there yeah yeah. I, I feel like like to piggyback off with this kind of like commission of artists or whatever <laughs> is like even you know just like the idea of having like a rotation of events happening in places like there or any other parks that have a venue that really can right. you know do 
whether it's music or dancing or drum circles, you know, any, whatever. Right, yeah. Like, live sculpture making, I don't know. Mm. Like, there's right. there's got to be so many ideas out in yeah. the community right, right now. So what I'm excited about is that, like, the pandemic, I think, has really given us an opportunity to be like, why don't we do all this? Right. And, and, <laughs> and if given people, like, the realization that, like, why not? Let's just try it and do it. So yeah. I think there's a lot more, uh, a lot more want to do things mm-hmm. like that and like just the idea that like nothing's impossible yeah and i think that's the, the key there too is just taking accountability personal right. responsibility being like oh yeah i can do this and right. i'm just gonna do it you know? right and I, I feel like the pandemic helped teach people that they have that ability right because during this time it's been a struggle for pretty much everyone and so it's like if you're not going to take control of your life in this moment then like you're you know, essentially SOL. So it's right. like, I think a lot of people realize like, all right, I got to pull up my bootstraps and like get to work here. Right, like right. I got to do stuff to get by and right. continue. Figure it out. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, Kyle and I actually had plans in the works for doing a kind of like a music and arts type event at Thorndon. And we just realized we weren't really ready yet to kind of put something like that on. But mm-hmm. I feel like, post-pandemic there's gonna be so many artists and creatives really looking for those outlets to start getting their right you know their word out yeah because we're antsy yeah <laughs> yeah we should do something there yes. yeah i, I think yeah. i think it's like good that we waited almost because mm. there's going to be a lot more people looking for events that they can be a part of and right. we need that momentum too right that carries yeah. through and we just show up every week or whatever yeah. every month i think yeah. people will come but it, we have to come in strong and come in in a way where it's established as this is going to be a right. happening thing. Yeah. yeah, right. And, you know, marketing, like you're right. saying, it's right. got a good messaging, like we gotta re- rememberable, like memorable. You right, know? right. We got to reach the suburbs. Yeah. Like mm. we, it's easy for us to reach within our own city. We have to reach like Fayetteville and Manlius and Chittenango and Baldwinsville right. and Lafayette. Mm. Yeah. Um, you you hit on this earlier you were talking about uh solving problems like that's the thing that's like holding us back um and in terms of like syracuse and our development with the artist community what would you say is like the biggest problem do you think that's holding us back from developing ah it's a big question it is a big question um i honestly like the biggest like so i'm really looking to find where the problem is i think the biggest problem is just like the numbers game there's not like we have again like all these small factions of artists but i speak to this group and they don't know anybody from this group and i'm like how do you not know them they have amazing work Mm -hmm. but everybody just kind of sticks to their own groups and uh we need somebody that i think brings them all together and it's a numbers game yeah so if i know 20 artists and i say this event's going on and i tell those 20 artists then they should tell their artist friends and right. continue to spread the word yeah. and just work together. Mm-hmm. And, and f- a, another thing I think is lacking too is we need to have a system in place where it's more empowering for the artists so it gives them an incentive to want to put the, the work right. in. Because a lot of times I see systems where it's like the people at the top end up like getting all the benefits so right. then it's like not as sustainable. Yeah. So I, I don't know, this is something I think about a lot and um, I'm just... Uh, I'm gonna keep studying up and try to figure out a way we can <laughs> right well all it's, benefit. it's that collaboration and, and community part like i said before uh 
you can't you can't build a house on a broken foundation like if we mm. fix the foundation of what we are and we all stand together and talk about art and accept each other's art across all boards then we can build a stronger community on mm. that yeah definitely and i mean like even uh i don't know who the artist is but the like let's put the u back in syracuse like yeah. seeing her stuff on on walls i'm like i think we need more like murals happening in syracuse because like i think at this point a lot of people know that syracuse is a more artistic city but it's like how can we showcase it more right right you know yeah whether it's just a daily reminder of like a mural you know like driving down here and you see the mural on the side of ponchitos you're like wow that's so cool like what that's in syracuse like that's cool yeah it's like and there's plenty of I was I was standing next to a Water Street Bagel uh, yesterday. Ooh, and so good. There's a parking <laughs> lot right there that's in between their building and the building next to it, and there's just a wide open wall. I'm like, nah. a mural should go right there. Right. <laughs> Why isn't there already right. a mural there? <laughs> we did. Uh, so Public Arts Task Force did street murals mm. one year for the bicentennial of the canal. So I got to be a part of that. So I got to paint a street mural mm. down there. And that was so cool. Like, why don't we do more of that? It wears away. It's just a street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that stuff's really cool. Um, I don't know. It. I think these are good though. Like, they, But this is the kind of thing where if you had a full group of people to sit right. down and discuss big picture ideas, like these kind of things are going right. to come out of it and be like, everyone's gonna be excited right so the other like huge part of this is going to be compromise yeah like we need to learn that like like my vision is my vision and your vision is your vision but we can come together and create something better sometimes i think people have a hard time accepting it's like the ego Mm -hmm. like sometimes we have a hard time getting past our own egos um you have to be especially with artists right (laughs) right so if you're going to collaborate you have to be able to set aside your ego for you know the bigger project that you're working on yeah which is why we need to i think figure out a shared vision or shared problem that we're trying to solve right that we can all band together towards yeah 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 because like i think me personally you asked the question like what's like one of the biggest like problems Hmm. and i think for our city one of the biggest problems is that it's very divided um so you know things like 81 or just like seeing like how jarring the poverty line is in syracuse and like that's something that's very difficult to just change overnight but i think you know including um less fortunate people in this city more into cool events and arts and stuff because you know like kids at a young age are so you know impressionable like letting them know that it's okay to be expressive and to do and there's cool shit happening in walking distance from where you live like come be a part of what we're doing right so my son is super spoiled in this sense because because i'm an artist and i do art events Mm -hmm. and my husband and i work opposite shifts so like if i'm home he's working like we don't get a ton of time together so my son comes with me to art things so he's been exposed to stuff like that like he's come here and made art before you know, he's gone to point of contact gallery with me and stuff like that. Um, but I think people realizing that like you can bring kids to those things mm-hmm. and it's good for them. Like it's yeah. so beneficial yeah. for him. He And I bring him to weird art stuff too. And he's just like super into it. Even Lots like uh, when Gear Factory has those shows, Revolution. Yeah. yeah like, so he's yeah. come to those with me before around, yeah. too. Yeah. 
So yeah. I think people... they're maybe on the more weirder side of art <laughs> venues. <laughs> right, right. It's like an anything goes show. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I brought him to that. And I think knowing that like as parents, like you can bring your kids to these things and it's actually good for them, you know, to have to see that like creativity is OK. Yeah. Like to a certain extent, like we as people need structure and school is built for structure, but you can't let the structure ruin their creativity. Mm. And because that's that's how you solve problems is you learn early on how to think creatively to solve problems as an adult. Mm. Like you were saying, you need to have a strong foundation. So that structure gives that so you can have more empowerment as a creative. Right. So build a tall house and then put a weird fan on top of it. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) Stand out. Right. So my son's going to be Tony Stark, he says. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, he's going to build a floating car. He's all into it. I love that. The next Elon Musk. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm over there like, let's build Mm. Tesla coils. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I, I like I know like the Gear Factory is is probably the, a more notable venue for art, but like even um, you know, getting uh, so on the first floor, you I'm sure you've heard about the little room at this point through Ryan or oh yeah, and and wherever that is, I, I haven't really been that involved, but like the idea of like being able to run an event that's geared towards like the younger population, like kids who are still in grade school, have a field trip to come to somewhere like the Gear Factory and experience something that's being run by local artists or creatives to get them to like, I think that that disconnect is like kids, like I said, are impressionable, but also like they look up to people doing cool stuff. And um, a lot of us don't really have the platform to like showcase like that we're somebody here in Syracuse. Uh, I talked about it um recently like radio shows and news stations in syracuse don't necessarily highlight the cool creatives in the city doing Mm -hmm. stuff all the time that's that's why we have this stuff right (laughs) and so it's like you know having an event where kids can come from a school and go and meet the artists who did this thing and you know interact it's like they're gonna remember that right and maybe they were in an art class and they were, you know, stumped on something they were trying to make and they go to this show and it's like, Oh, right. Mm. Right. You know, or even including their artwork in shows happening here. It's like things like yeah. that really go a long way. I agree. So kind of stemming off of uh, what Andy's saying, as far as like kids need an inspiration, uh, growing up, what was your inspiration as an artist? Did you have one? And, even now, like, what's your inspiration <laughs> to keep going? Um, yeah, so when I was a kid, um, you know, I come from a very, uh, like, very Catholic and proper family. Mm-hmm. Um, but that meant I went to art galleries. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was six, seven years old, and my grandma and my mom are taking me to art galleries and just seeing these massive paintings. And just, like, I just loved art so much. Just the ability to, to like what is it? How does I say it? It's like, it's a safe place to have abstract thought mm-hmm. in, in my opinion is art or to express yourself in a way that maybe you're not comfortable. It's a different language. It's just, you know, the language that I speak. And, um, so growing up, it was just all art that inspired me. And then <clears throat> come like the end of high school, it was like straight up Salvador Dali. He's, nice. I have his face tattooed on my back. Oh, yeah. He's got like cat whiskers. <laughs> um, but just again, that safe space to to explore things that aren't that aren't normal, but mm. but why not? 
like why can't this Definitely. elephant have long legs yeah so that's how i feel with uh what we're doing through boho hobo uh it's a platform to explore right and you don't get that in like the mainstream culture it's so judgmental yeah. and like things gotta be a certain <laughs> yeah. way right Whereas i think to the average like, person like life is very rigid and yeah structured and well we're taught that way right mm-hmm. yeah and i think a more robust uh community of creatives and entrepreneurs that are being given that like limelight to showcase what they're doing i think could help bridge the gap between the people who are just kind of living i guess within you know just living a basic lifestyle and you know to each is their own right like some people really love just simple life for some people it's Mm. not for everybody but i think some people feel like they're stuck in that simple life and they're like well i couldn't be an artist i'm like well that's your mentality but like here come to this event and i'll show Mm. you like what you right you can be a part of you know i I call it flipping the coin changing Mm. perspective yes uh, some people I... just need that nudge right mm-hmm. right i can't be an artist let's flip the coin why mm-hmm. can't you be an artist art is subjective like anybody can good paint. point yeah it's just subjective like that banana that was on the right. wall that sold for <laughs> millions of dollars and it was considered art like right yeah anyone could have right. done that <laughs> you could have been an artist you, right. you could have decided to tape your banana on the wall and you could have been rich <laughs> yeah yeah it's subjective it's you know it, like I said, it's a language. So when I speak my language and you connect with it, that's awesome. And mm. that's where the value comes from. Yeah. And I, I feel like, uh, you know, it's always been a theme is like being an artist or creative entrepreneur is a very lonely journey because not as many people relate to like the oh things God, you're yes. doing. Um, but I think it's like finding a way to talk about what you're doing in a way that's relatable to people who aren't is like i think that's the key and i know that's probably not the simplest thing to do <laughs> um, except for everybody right um because like some people are like really really talented artists for mm-hmm. example and when they talk about their art they're very passionate about it but it, to someone who's not it can right. come off as like arrogant right like, oh, yeah you're some fancy artist <laughs> and then they they kind of shut down they don't want to talk to you anymore right. so it's like trying to find a way to like be more inviting about like the fact that you do art and be like, I want you to be a part of this. Like, that's what I'm telling you. Mm. Right. You know, I feel like entrepreneurs are that bridge where they can create that relatability because it's in like a business form, Mm -hmm. but it's also like in a marketing way, like showcasing Mm -hmm. artists. And then like the public is able to like receive that in a a more structured way. It's It's like the, the entrepreneurs are like the facilitators of like the messaging of the chaos and the order. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, They just, again, like that funneling theory, they just Mm. funnel it and make sense of it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you don't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, we're funneling this product in, in, in this case, the product is like just the arts and creative. Right. Mm. Right. You know, like yeah. we're here. Hey, like <laughs> we've always been here, but right. <laughs> right. like someone needs to like say it. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Almost like I almost want to petition like that local news stations have like a spot on their show where they have to talk about the local arts right, community. Right. So that's what. So the original grant funding for the TV show was for WCNY to create an arts TV show. That was how like our whole TV mm. show thing. We saw that and we're like, let's do that. And then they they didn't give out the grant funding. They you know decided that there were other ways with the pandemic loosening up that they could use their funds other ways. And I'm like, but this could have been so good. Mm. But you know what? It's okay. 
because we're doing it anyways. So. Yeah. so you did or didn't get the grant? No, there was no. Oh, okay. So we applied for the grant funding and then they came back and said, we're not going to, we're going to scrap this for now and, hmm, you know, okay. try to put our efforts other places. Okay. So, and so now, just to clarify, the TV show and the podcast, those are two separate they things? They are. Okay. Because, um, you know, I don't have enough to do. Right. <laughs> yeah. But hey, like, yeah. That's a great way to like market for the show too. Right. You talk about it. Right. And now, uh, when it comes to the podcast, uh, how how many episodes have you gotten into with that? I think I have fifteen now. Oh wow! So hmm. I do them a little differently than most people because I have very limited time. So I record all of my podcasts one day a month. Oh wow! So, so I you do, just have people come in. Yep, and... I do three nice. to four one day a month, and then I spend time editing them throughout the week. So I'm ahead by like two months now nice um so if i want to take a break i can take a break yeah like so, so, you, so you edit them ahead and then you just like schedule them out yep. to be posted yeah nice so um it's again the only way i can balance working full-time and doing everything else while still like having some semblance of family yeah <laughs> that's fair yeah and, and so now uh with the podcast any guests that stick out to you uh as far as like uh some insight they've shared uh, any guests in particular or any episodes that were like um, the, the highlights? So pretty much all of them because I like to talk to people. Mm -hmm. um, but probably Robert Petrie was the biggest one for me because I had kind of fangirled his coffee art. Mm -hmm. You know, these like the, these postcards he does and he just sits in coffee shops and he's got like certain rules. So I learned from him like to set rules like in what you do to try to creatively problem solve your way out of your own rules, basically. Mm -hmm. um, man, his podcast, I had to divide into two because we spoke for almost an hour um, just about like art. And so I just found him so interesting and a, it was a different perspective. Um, one thing that I'm really big on too is like, there's no such thing as failure because like you don't fail you just like learn that you know maybe don't do that <laughs> yeah. and then you move on right. but you yeah. learn you always take something from it and uh he was like the first podcast that i had where like it really exemplified that like he talked about being let go from jobs and how it ruined mm. his world and you know i connected with that and i was like you're right there is no failure no failure i learned that that job wasn't for me i was let mm. go from it because I wasn't a fit anymore mm. and like now I'm better for it so what does it matter yeah so he was one of my favorites and it like realigns your values too yeah mm. yeah just yeah again like that shared perspective and uh sharing vulnerabilities like made me realize that some of these like anxieties that I had things that I was afraid of like being a failure I was a huge perfectionist so much that like I couldn't try to do anything because I didn't want to fail. Mm. And so like having these conversations really showed me like, Oh, that's normal and it's okay, but just move on from it. So yeah. it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Like I think the, like getting let go from a job and like you like thinking about that, um, is so important for a lot of people. Cause like, um, the thing I always said, because, like, there's been times where I haven't necessarily been fired, but, like, my job ceased to be a necessity to the company or whatever. And, you know, I would get into that mindset of, like, oh, like, they didn't want me there, blah, blah, blah. Like, I suck, blah, blah. Right. And then I always, like, come back to, well, am I alive? Yeah. 
Am I still able to like get food and have shelter? Yep. Okay. I'm doing pretty good. Mm. Like right. there's definitely people out there who are worrying about more things than getting let go right. at their job, you know? Yeah. So one thing I realized too, like being let go from a job, like, is that like, I've worked places that like didn't sit with my morals. Like, you know, I did pharmacy retail for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that like, and there, right, right. And I am a firm, like, even when I was working pharmacy retail, like, I don't agree with our health system, you know, profiting off of sick people. And I'm mm-hmm. like, how did I work there for so long? Like in a system you don't agree with or believe mm-hmm. in. And now like, I don't know, like eight years out of it, I'm like, oh, thank God they let me go. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I feel like it's like, I used to work at the pharmacy at Wegmans up, up in Clay. And uh, I feel like that's what they bank on is that people are going to do like the kind of mindless work, if you will, like counting pills and putting in a right, bottle. It's so boring. It's like you're, you're like a factory worker almost. Right. And you're just like. Yeah, except there's still human error. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like even the pharmacist is like you guys you you all make so much money and oh all God, you do yeah. all day is like oh. verify. Yeah, yeah, right? Like all recount twice. that. They like verified twice. And you're just dishing <laughs> out like all these drugs that some people don't really need, but right, right. You're not gonna say no to them. <laughs> yeah. So I mean like part of that was again a reason why I had to go on my health journey. Um I drank a lot of Mountain Dew and I started to get really, really sick. Mm. And I was like, okay, do we become diabetic and take medication for the rest of our lives or do we become healthy? Mm. Um, So that's why, you know, that was a huge factor into being healthy was just to avoid that maintenance medication machine. Yeah. Yeah. So fight against the system. Part of the people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go for a hike. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. This, this, at least this country for sure like found like oh this is like a condition that's not necessarily like um because they were born that way it's because of like how our culture like pushes like eat this way drink this stuff oh my gosh our food Mm. system so and it's like and then we can make money off them because they're going to be so unhealthy that like they're going to constantly need this reoccurring thing to like get them through their their day and it's just like, so no. I, I, I get the question a lot. Like, how did you lose all the weight that you lost? And a big part of it was just like eating fruits and vegetables only and, yeah. and protein. Um, but like it was cutting out sugar and processed foods that like really, really helped. So now I eat like I eat so much food. But it's all fruits and vegetables, so like it's fine. Yeah, yeah, good for you. <laughs> it does nothing. <laughs> it's just funny to me. Not really funny, but it's like wicked how like our system is. You have these companies that are trying to play to our short short term temptations and our biological like triggers, yeah, and giving us this like high sugar, high fatty food, and how high it's salt. like yeah, yeah, salt, fat, heat. And then, yeah. like, the individual is like, oh, shit, it's so addicting. Like, I'm right. craving this all day. And it's like, all I need to do is, is, like, go work out. But it's, like, this force of, like, the system trying to pull people into those short-term temptations. Yeah. Like, they're literally working on our psychology. Oh, yeah, there's a psychology behind yeah. the McDonald's Big Mac mm. that is fascinating. Yeah. Like, the Big Mac and the fries and the soda get you in a continuous mm. cycle of salt and sugar and carbs. And there's so much sugar in a Big Mac. Like, it's just crazy. Mm. I'm like... How did you hack our brains? 
It's yeah. crazy. It is yeah, crazy. It's are, you, are you into conspiracy theories? Oh, I'm way into yeah. conspiracy <laughs> theories. What do you think I spend the rest of the time I do have? <laughs> <laughs> What's your most favorite conspiracy theory? Oh, definitely, theory? definitely the Beatles. The mm. Beatles one. What's that? Uh, where uh, Paul is dead. Paul McCartney died. Um, and he was replaced with a fake Paul McCartney. <laughs> and you can tell because of the hands over the head in the album and he's not wearing shoes. Mm. Uh, cover like uh, that's my favorite I one. I believe it. I'm a believer. <laughs> I like the the Mandela effect conspiracies, like like the Bernstein versus the Berenstein Bears, like the smelling <laughs> stuff. They're like, wait, which one was it? Shit. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, so uh, my husband he makes fun of me because I like I'll get wicked into conspiracy theories, like, um. <laughs> And so sometimes I overplay them to him just to be like, we've been together 12 years at this point. So like, you need to spice things up. Right, yeah. right. You got to keep things interesting. Like, so Did some, you hear about this? Right, so sometimes I act like I believe in these super mm. big conspiracy, like ridiculous ones. And just to watch him react to it, like, are you freaking kidding me? Are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, this is what happened. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think about uh, the flat earth theory? Oh, my Lord. I've watched so many documentaries on that. Um, I just can't understand how people like how. So you're not a believer. <laughs> I'm not a flat earther. I am not. Mm, I'm crushed. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not a flat earther. I just remember uh, if if you want to hear a funny take on the flat Earth, listen yes. to uh, I forget what episode is. Gino Gino Mamalito talked about the flat Earth conspiracy a good 30 minutes of flat oh. earth talk. <laughs> it was so hilarious i was like dude this is the most like troll on that community i've heard in a long time and i was so grateful for it oh that's amazing because it because like he was like pretending like he believed it but like he was saying the most far-fetched shit about it like on purpose and i was like yeah, dude this is I yeah it's like this is great like we need more of that yes. <laughs> we watched there was a documentary we watched and they like proved themselves wrong scientifically that the earth was not flat and at the end they're like nope it's not true like that oh, was yeah. just a variation in our equipment i'm like over mm. and over and over again <laughs> Like, I'm a big science believer, too. Mm -hmm. So I love conspiracy theories, but I also love when science disproves them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that is very funny. Like, when, when, like, those kind of conspiracy debates happen, and it's like someone's just completely basing their argument on science to yeah. prove them wrong. And they're like, you, you get those, like, awkward pauses by the conspiracy person. They're like, uh, well, well, you know, and they start, like, fumbling over the words. I'm like you know you're wrong right? right but also again going back to that like your brain tells you what you like your brain will tell your eyes what it's thinking like your eyes don't tell mm -hmm. your brain all the time your brain sometimes tells your eyes mm -hmm. it's the same thing with that like people are going sometimes when you prove people wrong they stick harder into their convictions because that's where their ego is yeah. they don't want to be it's wrong it's huge hit the yeah ego, when you're like you're fundamentally wrong on something. <laughs> and they you... got money into it. Right. You yeah. put so much into it and you're yeah. like, wait a minute. Yeah, when I you can't start not going... believe in this now. When you start going to like <laughs> groups that are specific to that conspiracy, you know you're in a little too deep. You know? <laughs> right. You're like, you're in a cult. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just the, the, the nature of what's happening. Right. I just call it how I see right. it. <laughs> right. So what do you do when the Kool-Aid comes around? Yeah, right. It's like, how long did it take you to get this far into this? Like, uh, whatever. Rabbit hole. Yeah, literally yeah. a rabbit hole. 
Oh, I love rabbit holes, though. <laughs> They're so fun to go down. Well, that's the other thing. is like, at this point with technology, it kind of just force feeds you that. Oh, yeah. So if you accidentally read a conspiracy theory and read it long enough, then right. uh, the, next, one right. YouTube video. the next day you're going to get five more pieces of content thrown your way. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that part. Mm. Oh, right. you start sharing stuff I'm, with your friends. I am like a serial <laughs> researcher. Um, I get like... I don't know if like I'm ADD or what, but like mm. if I get on something, I need to know every little fact about that thing. Like I will spend hours researching it. Like I just got a bunch of plants. So mm. we had a I had a house fire oh, back wow. in November, right? And so our house was okay and we were able to stay in it while they made renovations, but they had to put in new insulation, which is very toxic. Mm-hmm. I also have birds. Mm. Uh, so we moved them out, but then I started buying plants to help us recycle the air and make it better. Um, I have watched so many dang YouTube videos <laughs> on how to take care of plants. I have 30 plants that are potted in my house. Wow. Now. So I started getting them in January. Mm. I have 30 plants. I have propagations everywhere. Like, I, I go all in. Yeah. <laughs> I go all in. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially if you have, like, a reason. Like, I, you know, having plants is, is good for obvious reasons. But, like, it's like you want to maximize the benefit of those plants, right, for example. Right. Might as well go all in. and Right, yeah. Now I propagate them, and I'm like, I'm going to put them in every cafe, Kubal, mm. in Syracuse. <laughs> Yeah, I think like for, I probably don't like utilize my plants to the best of their ability. I mean, they just chill over there. But like, yeah, but that's okay too. But like, I almost like adding plants into your space just changes like the energy of the it space does. too. It um, does. It's the first thing that I've like serial bought like every <laughs> week, and I like again testing my husband. I'll be like, "Can we go to Lowe's and buy more plants?" And he goes, "Sure." It's like the first thing he's like, buy as many as you want. It's like, worth wow. this far. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, let's go. I'm like, no, I didn't really want to go. I was just testing you. Like, <laughs> I was just seeing how many more plants I could bring in. <laughs> like, unlimited at this point. Careful yes. what you wish for. Yes, it is unlimited. He's a very forgiving person. <laughs> I do. I actually got, he wants to do like vegetables now. So we have Ooh, vegetables started cool. too. So... Yeah, just create a sustainable farm at this point. Right, that would be mm-hmm. amazing. So, do you live in Syracuse I, at this point? I don't. I, so I live in North Syracuse. Oh, okay. Uh, funny fact about North Syracuse, we can't have chickens. You could have chickens in Syracuse. In, like, downtown? I can yeah, have a chicken. You, yes, you <laughs> can have dorm? chickens. Or in my Dude, studio. we should get chickens here. Yeah, right? Sad. That'd be just let them run around right. the room. But North Syracuse code laws don't allow us to have chickens. I'm really upset about this. Chickens are so harmless. I know. <laughs> and they give so much. They really yeah. do. I don't even think they realize what they're doing. Right. Right. <laughs> but also, like, I have birds, so it's it's just a thing. What I kind love of birds? birds? So I have two parakeets, nice. and I have a mitered conure, who Ooh. is like a devil bird. <laughs> he is not nice. He's very territorial. He only really likes me, but he'll bite you, and he bites really hard. Ooh. So he... uh. You know, he came from somebody else, and now at this point, I'm like, he's an awful bird, but I don't want somebody to mistreat him, so we keep him and talk to him, but mm. he's not hes not the bird I wanted, but he's the bird I have, mm. so his name is Wally. Wally, nice. Yeah. And he talks, like he says, Wally, want to take a bath? <laughs> like, all the time. Uh, he sneezes, he'll cough. Um, hello, gorgeous. That's what we're really working on right now, is hello, gorgeous. I love that. So. Nothing better than a... 
than a bird that can talk. Right? Mm. And see, it makes it all better. He's yeah. not a nice bird, but he can talk. Yeah. <laughs> it does I, make it better. <laughs> right. I think that's like one of the coolest things about animals is that at some point there is that like connection where they're trying to speak our language. Right. And you're like, oh, they know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not fully, but like they know. We're, we're the dumb ones in right? this equation. <laughs> now it's yes. like, can we teach <laughs> dolphins to talk? Because they're smart. No, well, animals have realized that they didn't need to use language. Yeah, well, yeah, right. they use so. cooler things like sonar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like animals, shooting gamma rays yeah. and stuff. <laughs> animals are kind of the reason. Like you can tell that like there's energy. Like people have oh, energy yeah. in space. You can fill your space with all of your energy. Mm-hmm. And like I think animals are really like the proof of that. You know, how they hold themselves and how they like, like small, intricate things. And like we as humans are like, energy is not a language. Mm. (laughs) So so talking about energy, um, I was just curious about your spiritual beliefs. Uh, you said that you uh, had a background in uh, Catholicism. Catholicism. Yeah. Has it changed since? <laughs> oh my gosh! Were you yes. Catholic growing up with yeah, your yeah, with yeah. your parents? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, same. So we. we I got all... confirmed in your church. Oh <laughs> really? That's funny. Yeah, Alex Ayak. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so yeah. So I, I think we got confirmed. Yeah, Alex and I we got confirmed together. That's funny. In your church. <laughs> That's awesome. So yes, I grew up uh, Catholic. I went through like religious education, Mm -hmm. made my confirmation. Um, It wasn't until probably the year I started my confirmation that I went, wow, this is kind of all bullshit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But but again, like I grew up in a world where like it didn't matter. You you did your confirmation because if you didn't, you let down your family. And so I made my confirmation. And after that, I was told I didn't have to be a part of the church anymore. So, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, I think, what was it like 10th grade? We started really talking about religions and I was like, who am I to tell you that your religion's wrong? I don't want anybody to tell me that my beliefs are wrong. So who am I to tell you? That's a good point. Yeah. Right. So it really opened my eyes to like, what is religion and what are beliefs? And currently I believe in nothing and everything. So, um, I don't follow a religion. I believe that, like I said, we have energy. You can read energies. um, It's like Reiki kind of approach. I guess. I don't know. So I'm very empathic. Mm -hmm. So like, like when, so when the anxiety goes away, like I can tell how you're feeling and how you're feeling Mm -hmm. just by those subtle things and whether it's energy or, you know, being able to read those subtle cues, it is what it is. Um, but people feel a certain way when they enter a room. Yeah, you know, you, you can tell. That's what that first impression thing. I right, think is. right. People yeah. always say it's like, oh, well, it's probably just like an action or like how someone's speaking. But it's like you, people always, I feel like, disregard the energy. Yeah, of the room. I agree because you can't see it or feel it. Like you can't physically touch it, so you can't prove that it's there. But it's there. Um, yeah. But as far as like religion or beliefs, um. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I can't, I can never make a definitive answer because I don't know. I, you know, practice Wicca, witchcraft stuff, Mm -hmm. but only to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ghosts scare the living (laughs) shit out of me. So I don't deal with that stuff. Like, I don't want to talk to spirits. So, so they they could exist or not. They're not in my world. Uh, I just ignore them. You ever Mm -hmm. use the Ouija boards? No, Mm -hmm. no, I'm so scared. 
I don't know about like a friend of the dark. Oh, nice. It's night. No. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. grew up like afraid of the dark, like really afraid of the dark. Um, and so like I in a, in a very old house. Ooh. Um, so yeah, no, I don't mess with that stuff. Like yeah. I do herb stuff and sage, burn nice. sage, and you know talk to plants. That's pretty much yeah. the extent of it. Scientifically, that's been shown to actually help them grow. Right. right. Yeah. So I think giving like, them good music and stuff. Right, because they have an energy. They mm. speak to each other. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, like I don't. My I had to have this conversation like with my son the other like, day. They fucking mm-hmm. enjoy the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they get all the podcasts. <laughs> I had to have this conversation with my son because he saw that big like mega church, and he's like, "Why don't we go there?" And I'm like. Oh gosh. Okay, oh. you're six, but uh, yeah. So we don't go there because we're not really religious. And he's like, "Well, why can't we go there?" I'm like, "You can, but I'm not going there." <laughs> you you're right. on your own. <laughs> right. Well, then we got in this like, "What is God?" And I'm like, "Oh, God mm. is something like." Where do babies do you... come from? <laughs> right. Yeah. How do you explain something so like it's like something that. I don't know. There's no proof. How it's do you... such a nuanced like answer, right? Because you could ask like twelve different people, and they would all give you a completely different explanation right. for what that is. Right. He's like, "What is God?" And I don't. I can't even tell you if I know if I believe in God. Yeah, like, I don't know. It's kind of like say? entertainment at this point to just talk about it because right. everyone has a different belief, yeah. but it's still interesting to. Oh talk yeah. About, so especially because like there's a part of humans that like they need that you need to have that structure and that religion and that sense of purpose mm-hmm. for your life to be meaningful in some right. way. So and like, that godly force like keeping our ego in check. Too. Right, right. Some people are like self checked. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's hard. There's a lot of positives to it, and there's negatives because everything, everything a person can touch, we can corrupt. We're good at that. Yeah. yeah. So that's right. a good point. It is the humans that end up corrupting it. Right. You know. It's, right. It's good yeah. up until the point of us getting our ego too much into it, and then we're like, "This is the end all, be all," right. and I'm going to enforce well, yeah. this. There, and then there, that's the division. There's like the there's always that radical side to like any belief. Yeah. And it's like the radical side is like. Be, they'd be like martyr themselves for the cause when it's like they're nowhere in there did it say you must like patronize people to believe in your belief right, like it just right. says to be a good person yeah. <laughs> it's like it's not your duty yeah, yeah. also so, there's like so many similarities between all the religions again yeah. i'm like believe what you believe but i'm not gonna tell you you're wrong right it's like as long as I you're don't not know. being shitty to me like right i yeah. don't care what you believe in you know exactly yeah. yeah. Like if you like phrase belief to like some anime character, for example, like cool. If that yeah. if that helps you like treat people nicely, I right. I'm happy Ball for Z. you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And some people know? follow that like a religion. Yeah. yeah. Man. It's just like whatever. Like whatever just like keeps you zen. I remember when Dragon Ball Z was new. Mm. <laughs> we were when did little, it come out? little. I don't know, but it was out <laughs> when I was like six. Mm. And I'm 34. I watched it on Cartoon I'll be 34 this month. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, because oh. I used to watch Dragon Ball Z when, when I was, like, in grade school. Oh, gosh. So, like, early 2000s, probably. Yeah. So, I remember Dragon Ball Z from 6 a.m. in the morning on Channel mm-hmm. 69 because there wasn't, like, digital TV. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I'll be 34 this month, so... Like Sailor Moon. Yes. So it was, yeah. <laughs> it was bananas in pajamas, Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z. 
Well, <laughs> yeah, so you're about like 10 years older than us. Yeah, yeah. So we're like just on the cusp of like knowing some of the... I always get like people like, oh, you're probably too young. I'm like, actually, like I was like just there. Like I got the tail end of yeah, it. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's okay. So my husband is... 10 years older than me okay and i'm 10 years older than my stepkids Mm. so there's like this broad spectrum of knowledge in our house that's pretty cool (laughs) it is so like i throw out all sorts of references and now i've got the six-year-old who's into what the my adult stepkids so my stepkids are 23 and 24 22 and 23 somewhere in there um but now like pokemon cards are coming back around and oh yeah like they came out when i was a kid and then they came back out when my stepkids were kids and now they're back out so yeah. like we evolved There's somehow played literally pokemon. waves of pokemon <laughs> so i remember like when we were little it was big and then there was like a period where it was like if you said pokemon or played pokemon you would get like ridiculed by your friends for being like lame yeah yeah and then all of a sudden everyone's like playing their game boys in school <laughs> i'm like what is happening right now why is the world just yeah. getting flipped upside yeah. down <laughs> pokemon's had had quite the term termulous run yeah it's like do, it'll always be here yeah it's like do we believe in this concept or do we not right we right. can't decide do we love it or hate it i think it's just like too much of one thing for too long people get sick oh, yeah. of it and they need like you know change they need Yu-Gi-Oh. change get, and then they get the withdrawal symptoms and they're right. like all right, right. let's go back <laughs> right right get that itch again well, it's like wanna... it's, it can be a generational thing too where like my generation was like okay we did this and we're done with it but then like the next generation picks them up and they're like what is this yeah like ooh, yeah. nothing else around like this right it's it is cool to watch things like come back Come yeah like around. even like vinyl records oh, coming back yeah but I, it sounds so nice yeah i saw like a graph and it was showing um like yearly sales for different mediums of how like the music industry has like pushed out people's music mm-hmm. and it was funny because out of all of the things that all the mediums that have happened vinyl is the only one that had a complete resurgence out of nowhere <laughs> and i was like oh there, there's vinyl just like i'm still here right? i'm back <laughs> yeah like you're not seeing people buying cassettes anymore right yeah <laughs> well yeah those were awful yeah uh, well i always think like vinyl is really good because you're able to store them a lot easier than like a bunch of little cassette tapes like right yeah even though they're smaller like weird bulky and weird right well there's something so beautiful about the sound like the sound of vinyl is so unique to like anything else it's not clean it's got that scratch to it and yeah again it goes to like we're creators and we create things and we do things with our hand because of the process of it and the process of listening to music on vinyl it's not just shoving a cd in or a disc in. you have to put it in and line it up and hear the noise and the scratch and there's you know there's beauty in the process of it yeah like each individual record is is art because like it's you know like the the thing and the little um, what do you call it? The little needle thing? Yeah, the needle. Yeah. The needle is like riding the, the, right. the ridges. Right. It's, it's also like, it's frequency. magical. Like, it's magical how that happens. You put a CD in, it's all digital. Yeah. You know? But, it's just something scanning. <laughs> yeah, but you can stare at that record and be like, how does it work? Yeah, right? <laughs> it's magical. And it's crazy how long they've been around, too. Yeah. Like, since 
early 1900s like yeah it's been a very like long that. I, I know i have my a lot of my records came from my parents house but um they had like one really old like polish like polka uh record but it and it's like smaller than the rest of them but it was like i think it was like 1930 or like early 40s and i was like this thing is old like that's awesome what is this <laughs> I just put it in. I'm like, you know, a lot more scratchy than some of the newer vinyls. And I was right. like, this is so cool. Like, right? It sounds cool. Plus, polka music is like a hidden gem. <laughs> we don't listen to polka enough, folks. I I agree. It's like it's like ska before ska, but not really. Ooh, ska's great. Yeah. Right? Love ska. Polka almost there. It's pretty cool. <laughs> polka didn't realize it. It's inspired reggae and ska. right <laughs> yeah i think i think yeah polka music is pretty like it's the unsung hero of the music world <laughs> i mean i know some people still like uh partake in like polka type bands oh, yeah. and like events and stuff i know it's big in the polish community yeah i knew there i know there used to be like this fritz's polka band i don't know if they're still around but i found their shirt at a salvation army and driving on a road trip they passed me on 81 and I was like wearing the shirt and I had never heard any of their music. And I'm like, yes, that's crazy. <laughs> I was like, like, I know you kind of, <laughs> what are the odds? that's right? pretty crazy. Right? Salvation army. And then they passed me in this like brightly colored van. It was so magical. <laughs> so uh, who's your favorite musician? Oh my gosh. That's like really hard to narrow down. Um, So right now, or music artists in general. Oh God. Yeah, so I I can probably tell you what I'm listening to the most, and that is the Hamilton soundtrack. Ooh, I have been stuck on this Hamilton soundtrack for almost a year. (laughs) Now, do you create music yourself? Oh, no, that's not safe. Uh, So I've played a lot of instruments, like, throughout my time here on this planet. (laughs) Um, I've never become really great at any of them, but it's... uh, dabble. Yeah, dabble. Mm-hmm. So, like, I started with piano very young. I took clarinet. My sister got a flute, so I played that for a little bit. Uh, then I wanted a guitar, so I got a guitar. And then I learned bass guitar. And uh, oh. now I really just want a ukulele nice. or a mandolin nice. because they're, they're easier. Mandolins are so fun to play. I know, but they're so compact. I have three guitars in my house, and they take up way too much room, mm-hmm. and I never play them. Yeah. So not that I'd get rid of them with a mandolin or a ukulele, but it just seems fun. Yeah. So I think that like uh, what's what's the word? The convenience factor of a smaller instrument, like oh, yeah. even just like oh, I'm gonna go on a camping trip. I can bring this with right. me. Right, because I like, brought my guitar hike. on a camping trip, and it's not fun. Yeah, you're like, oh, where do I put this? Right. Well, <laughs> especially like being outside, it's not good for it. It you know goes out of tune, and then like I don't, I can't tune it to ear. I can mm. tune it to itself, but yeah. But yeah, no, I, I dabble in a couple different things. I, again, I like to, I'm a serial learner. I like to learn things, so I'll pick it up and play with it. And then, and then, yeah, if it, if it takes, it takes, if it doesn't, um, but yeah, huge. It's just and, the process of it, you know, yeah, opens your mind. Right, exactly. It's just the experience, experiencing yeah. new things and trying them out and seeing if you can do them, I guess. Yeah. And, the, but it also builds an appreciation for those who can do it. Mm. So yeah, I feel like the just that that act of like stroking your creativity in different avenues just keeps keeps that progression alive. Yeah. And maybe it's not that you're gonna become a super expert mandolin player, but 
you know you can use that in in a weird way it kind of that energy flows into like your artwork some, right some right way or another. yeah so like this is why i tell people uh inspiration is a flame and so like the more you stoke that fire and the more we do this and talk to people you just ignite mm-hmm. that flame yeah. and you know it lives on in different ways i got to speak with lawrence lowe um, who's the director of Syracuse Symphoria. Mm-hmm. Um, not somebody I ever thought I would have like run into or gotten to speak to, but like so awesome. Um, yeah, just, yeah, just like learning things and especially music. Like people, I think often forget that music's a part of art. Like it's a creative yeah. part. And so, yeah, it also helps because like on the podcast or stuff, like I can recognize instruments uh, when going through music and things like that. Yeah. So. That's definitely been one of my, so Kyle and I started doing music production um, during the pandemic. I had like dabbled in it um, before, but the pandemic gave me the time to like really get into it. But like, I just listen to music differently. I don't know if you get the same type of thing, but like I try to pick apart like, oh, this is how they did this. Like I started to learn like how some of like my favorite artists like made their music. And I was like, oh, I just like unlocked a skill like in right. a video game. It's like you can now do this. I'm like, yeah. this is so cool. <laughs> yeah, I started listening to Hamilton like just the instrumentals. So like I went and did that mind and body float thing. Oh, and I, so ooh, good, so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that like I would get to play music, so I made this whole playlist of Hamilton instrumental. And my plan was like I was gonna pull apart all the different pieces in it. Um, but just like I, that wasn't the case with the float thing. Yeah, you're like, damn. <laughs> yeah, it actually worked out better, I think. But uh, I started listening to the instrumental stuff when I go to the gym and work out and picking out those pieces. Like, it gives you a more appreciation for definitely. for the individual pieces of what goes into like just one song. Yeah, definitely. No, as far as like uh, other creative art forms, uh, do you dabble in anything else? Um, so I tattooed for a while. Um, I don't talk about it. I just started like really talking about it and being open about it because I did it like out of my dorm room in college. Oh, like okay. not the best way to do it. Was it like stick and poke kind of thing? No, I had like the... a whole the whole setup to do it. Um, but I just like I didn't value myself, I guess, so mm-hmm. I didn't like see it as worth anything. Um, but then I got carpal tunnel, so oh. like I stopped tattooing. Um, but does the carpal tunnel affect your painting too? No. So I had surgery on this hand, which is what I predominantly paint with. My mm. left hand acts up on occasion. I had carpal tunnel surgery when I was 21, 21 wow. years old. I was very young. Um, <clears throat> so like I said, this one acts up, but it doesn't really affect it. Um, I am ambidextrous. Mm. So like, if it's acting up, I can't like I can paint with both hands, but um, predominantly right-handed. But it really doesn't. It doesn't affect anything really now. Hmm. So, but yeah, I feel like with something like tattooing, you're just doing that for so long each session. Yeah, that, you know. Plus, like the vibrations from the. Oh yeah, it makes your hand numb to begin with, and then yeah. the carpal tunnel makes it numb. And and like the thing about needles and numb hands, like that's not good. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good yeah. <laughs> but yeah no i uh paint and i do i did uh wedding photography for about 10 years Ooh. uh don't like it yeah i can't imagine what about it stuff? 
I well, I had social anxiety, oh, so it was okay. really difficult to be in a place with all these people and like try to tell them what to do and set them up. Like I had a partner that um, you know, I helped her with her wedding photography. And so she was good at that. She was the people person. It wasn't for me. Um, and now mostly it's just, it's a long day. It, it's, so I work 40 hours and I don't want to spend those eight hours at a wedding away from my family outside right. of it. Yeah. Like my studio is something you don't even enjoy anyway. Right. So. right. And the, the concept of marriage for the most part is, is beyond me. So <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, I have my husband and I've been with him 12 years and he is my person, but I don't think marriage is a necessity on mm -hmm. life. Uh, so, and, and I'm don't like to spend a ton of money. So I find like these elaborate weddings ridiculous. So yeah. Yeah. again, it doesn't line up with your ideals. Yeah. yeah. So I've always, I've, I've thought about this cause, um, so I work at three, two, five productions downtown and we, at a time we hired, uh, these two guys who are really talented filmers, but they do wedding, wedding film. Mm. And, um, I, you know, just like seeing the stuff they do and like i'm like this is all they edit is just weddings i was like i would go insane oh yeah it's like like don't get me wrong like happy for those people that were in the weddings but it's like i don't want to like just stare at the same type of like scene happening a it's million like times day. yeah you're just like is this <laughs> happening again like it's just different faces but like the same right. old thing I feel like i've been here and like how do you how do you stay creative doing that or is it like this group wants the same video you made for them just right. with these people in it instead of them. It's just like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> this, this sounds ripe for disruption. I feel like you could program a computer or an AI. To just to cut. Yeah. Like, just just yeah. edit Definitely. a wedding video for you. Yeah. yeah. It's like you're going to put a weird little fade transition well, here. <laughs> right, but not only like the shooting part of it, too, because like, it, you know, you have things that you hit in a wedding we want the cake cutting we want mm -hmm. the first dance we want the father daughter dance it's, it's cut and paste like yeah. every the weddings are yeah. cut and paste yeah. so it was just photography though for you right not video or was it no um i did the one video for my artist um and i added that all together and that was the first time like i was on camera doing a video thing mm -hmm. every once in a while i make a fun tiktok video nice. but it's mostly about coffee <laughs> so but no, no video. You're in the right place right now. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, yeah, you, you got, I like that. I feel like recently the, the people we've had on just have their hand in a lot of different things. Yeah. That is not just like a, I think it's I a creative thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. a, sure. Like, let's try that and try that. Like I'm open to trying all different art mm -hmm. forms, but the painting is, that's my wheelhouse. I'm very good with color. That's I think that's really what makes me good at art is that like the color, like it just makes sense to me. Like I can balance colors that people don't like see together. Mm. Um, it's actually so <clears throat> I probably talk about this because this isn't going out anytime soon, like mm. this week. Um, so I got promoted at my job. So nice. I'm not Congrats. just yeah. thank you. <laughs> so I won't be just a cafe manager. I will be our designer. Oh, wow. So I'll get to design Too the spaces cool. and pick the colors out. So for like our Holly Green Cafe, that's the one I currently manage that I'm stepping away from. Like I designed that whole, like the whole paint schemes and 
there's a lot of texture and I painted a mural in there and stuff. And then I went to Manlius and picked their colors out and did so well with those color schemes and creating this space that just like it breathes, it has a soul and it makes you Mm, feel comfortable. Uh, So that's what I get to do now. That's I get to so awesome. (laughs) I know. Right. So I get to, you know, creatively design our spaces so that people, you know, feel good in them. I'm sure you're excited to not have to like be managing. Uh, So I love managing and I love being a barista. However, um, (laughs) the pandemic like really took away our customers. Mm. So I spend a lot of time alone and that is not very mentally healthy for me. Um, I find that like by the time the first person comes in, I'm like a puppy dog at the dog store and I just like blurt out everything (laughs) or they'll come in and I'll be crying. They're like, what's wrong? And I'm like, it's just me. I've just been here alone for too long myself. Can't deal. (laughs) So Cuban. Right. Right. I'm like, nobody has talked to me in four hours. I've been here since five in the morning and nobody's come in. Uh, so like. I, you know, originally managed our hotel location and my crew there was amazing and the hotel was amazing. And I really fell in love with the job and the art of making coffee there. Mm. And, you know, you got laid off and then we closed it and then I opened this new place and, you know, the customers didn't come and they weren't there. And it was heartbreaking. I really had this plan that like I was going to get people to come here and I was going to be able to give my employees Mm. their jobs back and it was going to be normal again. And it was heartbreaking. Mm. So I'm a little burnt out on being a barista by myself. So I'm like really excited to do something that's more mentally stimulating. Yeah. I, cause so I work uh, in common space right now in downtown. So I always walk past the downtown Kubal and I, like I'll go there for lunch and stuff, but it's usually kind of empty yeah. just for obvious, you know, with the pandemic and everything. And I always just like, like, ah, I hope they're having a good day. Yeah. Cause like, <laughs> we're sad. We're sad, emotional baristas. We just love people. <laughs> It'll come. It'll come. It back. will. Yes. Everyone's going to need coffee. You know? Right, right. I mean, yeah, we get people coming in, but how long, how long you think it'll be until we're back to normal? Oh, I would say like <sighs> sliding scale, but I think it's going to start in the summertime when mm. people can, when people who aren't comfortable with being in spaces with people can be outside and people who are comfortable in spaces can go back. Like, I think it'll be, it'll start to, I think summer yeah. will be good for us. It's going to be interesting to see like residually how long it takes for like the majority of the population to just be like, okay. And like, being around people and they're not wearing masks and it's like it's okay like you're not gonna get like randomly sick all of a sudden from like this crazy thing yeah i mean i think if one benefit to the whole mask thing that i like is that it might start to encourage people who are sick to wear a mask in public and then it's not gonna be weird yeah because like if you're wearing a mask yeah maybe people are just like maybe they're just sick which mm-hmm. I guess kind of maybe puts like a target on you, like, oh, they're <laughs> sick. But like at the same time, like, um, I forget what it was. I was watching uh, House of Cards the other night and there was a scene where this girl comes in and uh, the other person goes to like shake her hand. She's like, oh, no, I like I don't want to get you sick. 
But at the same time, I think I'm like, well, you're not wearing a mask. So right. <laughs> you're still going to get right. her sick. The, the mask thing and the TV, like, that's where it gets me the most. And yeah. I'm like, they'll get really close to somebody. Be like, nah, oh, wait, it's just TV. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, like, that's where I notice it the most is watching TV when they have those social interactions or they, like, mm. they sit down and have dinner with people or, like, shake hands. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> you can't touch each other. Right. Like, oh, right, TV. So scandalous. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's that's that's the thing though. It's it's gonna be interesting to see how long it takes for people to be like, okay, like this is more of like a tool to help like keep you from getting sick right. during certain situations. Right, and now it's more like like we see it every day. It's more I think I think people might be more apt to wear them when they're sick with just like the common cold or the flu. Right. Because it's, it's like, okay. if you're yeah. sick, but you're okay to go to work still, like, maybe you should wear a mask. Right. So you don't get half your office sick. Right. Because we just... saw what happened last time. Right. <laughs> and it's like, just because your cold your cold symptoms aren't that bad, maybe someone else's immune system ain't that good. Right. Then, yeah. You know, they're down and out for a week and right. can't be having that. <laughs> exactly. Like, I haven't been sick since since uh february of last year so it's oh, been almost wow. it's yeah. been more than a year i haven't been sick yeah. so so i so said we have we have all these people in my house there's like my six-year-old my two stepkids uh one of their girlfriends lives with us my husband and myself um we all got sick hmm. it, and it wasn't covid fortunately but like the cold went through our house and it is like panic yeah, because you're like, oh. Right. What is it? Yeah. Who is it? Who brought it in? Who quarantines? Who doesn't quarantine? Is it too late? Is it too soon? Oh, it was yeah. a mess. And then trying to find places to get testing, too. Right. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've definitely had a couple of scares where, like, randomly, like, my sinuses will, like, act up. And I'll just, like, immediately, like, I have COVID. <laughs> Shit. Who have I been around? And I, right. And then it goes away, and I'm like... Oh, I don't have COVID. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know. It's just weird. Like right. So my sinuses fluctuate like with the weather. When the mm. weather takes drastic changes, yes. I get a stuffy nose, and I'm like, oh god, I'm dying. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna die. I'm gonna get my son sick. Oh, it's so. We're much. gonna have PTSD yeah. from that. Just oh yeah. Like constantly. Like, <laughs> Do I have COVID right now? Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's not like, oh, uh, maybe I just like have like, cause before when I would get sick, I'd be like, oh, I could probably just take some like Advil or something right. and like, you know, drink fluids and I'll be fine a couple yeah. days. Yeah. It's amazing what we would do sick two years ago that we won't do now. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm sick. I'm not going to work. Right. <laughs> right. I think, but I think that's really, that's a benefit to this. I think that, you know, when you're sick, not pushing yourself to work for a paycheck um you recover quicker you recover you know comfier i cannot yeah. count how many times i have like been sick and gone to work just to make my paycheck and like i'm yeah. standing there like just you feel like, awful yeah, yeah your equilibrium's all off you can't breathe you sound disgusting yeah you know, I worked in pharmacy retail again. Like I went to this job sick and now, you, you know, you have fresh eyes for it now. And you're like, wow, like health is really important. We're human beings. We're fragile. We're strong, but we're yeah. fragile. We got to align our priorities a little bit. That's definitely, I, I definitely hope that carries out of this is that like, it's okay if you're sick, right. just don't get everyone else sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, one thing that I think about a lot lately, um, not lately, just in general, especially when we first started up the, the brand for Boho Hobo, 
but it's all about values and like value structure and like uh for boho hobo one of the big values for us is exploration of self of ideas of other people places um so spinning this question on you um and we've talked a lot about values in this podcast but what would you say is like one of the priorities in your value structure oh like I can't deal with hurting people in any capacity. So I am very much like, like if you like what you're doing and you're happy doing it, like I will be your biggest supporter. But if you need me to tell me, tell you you're doing something wrong, like I'm not that person uh, because I just want people to be happy and be comfortable with who they are. Hmm. And so that's probably like my biggest value, but also it was my biggest weakness for most of my life is not being comfortable hmm. with who I was. Um, so yeah, that's like my strongest value is I want people to be happy being happy. Like do what makes you happy. That's good insight though. I think that form formulates a lot of people's value structure. Oh, like yeah. if they have a lack of something in childhood, then that ends up being like the forefront of what they want. Right, right. You know? Well, yeah, once once you can accept like your issues or what you have going on and accept like where your problems are, it's easier to see them yeah. and you know, accept them in others. Yeah, definitely. Acceptance. That's yeah, acceptance right. right. Yeah. As long as you're not hurting somebody, do what makes you happy. Especially like with the creative and artist community, I feel like we get plenty of like the naysaying happening that like if you're just one less person that's feeding that like vibe, that right. person's going to just be so much more grateful to be around you. Right. You know? Also, like, again, I held myself back so much like Part of part of what I do and why I wanted to curate art with the cafe is to, to give a voice to people who are afraid to speak. That's what mm. you preach. Yeah. So yeah. like I reach out to, like I have people who like, you know, my cousin is a phenomenal artist. He's so shy. Like I have been like asking him for years, like come and show. And like he's like, I'm almost ready. Like he's always yeah. almost ready. And mm. it's like knowing that like there are people out there who need that support and understanding yeah. too that like that support could take a month that support could take two years it could take 10 years but eventually you know they grow and you grow yeah. and you know giving a voice to people who are afraid to speak like i think it's that judgment of themselves yeah that holds people yeah. back yeah it, and it's ego too it's weird because it's ego that wants to drive you forward but it's also ego that holds you back right so right. you have to know when to like balance and yeah. let go of that like everything is good in moderation <laughs> so your ego is good it comes in handy it's that like flipping the coin you can say having an ego is bad but it serves us well in certain aspects yeah you know there's a good and bad to everything yeah that's something I, I started doing a lot more. Well, I mean, I've always been pretty like vocal. If I see someone doing something cool, like I let them know. Um, but during the pandemic, especially like living with a bunch of artists, um, you know, initially I was like, oh, you know, I'm moving with a bunch of artists. They're probably so confident in themselves and like their work and blah, blah. And I learned real quick, like that's not the case oh, at no. all. Oh, and no. I'm like, I'm living amongst people who are way more talented than me at art. And I tell them like, this is so freaking right. cool. Like, why haven't you shared this with more people? And they're like, oh, I, I don't know. I couldn't do that. And I'm like, wait, yeah. what? <laughs> like, yeah. I wish I could do what you could do because yeah. I would be putting that everywhere. Right. <laughs> That's just... why I try to tell people like it, it, art is not an achievement. It, it's a language. Yeah. Like, and 
to know that when you create something, when you paint something, when you sculpt something, you're communicating your vision or what you see to the world. I think that helps. It like just takes away that bar of like trying to hit perfection yeah. and understanding that it's just another form of communicating. Yeah. yeah. Gary Vee talks about this. I don't know if you're familiar with him. No. He's a marketing guru in the internet world. Oh. Uh, but very insightful individual. Uh, awesome. But he talks about how you need to, as creatives, just document the process. Don't worry about trying to get to some end goal to then produce and then put right. it out there. Just literally film yourself as you're doing it. Right. And things happen. Yeah. So one yeah. thing one thing I do, um, I work four, day, four 10 hour days a week. So I got Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. So like tonight is my Friday. So, which is why I'm here so late because I get up so early, (laughs) um, but I don't have to be up early tomorrow. But at the beginning of each weekend, I set rules for the art I'm going to create. And I try to create three pieces every weekend. So one a day, Mm. preferably. So last weekend, um, and I try to make these rules based on like where I think I could use work. So last weekend, uh, the rules were, uh, there has to be a face or face structure in it. And there can be no previous thought of what it will be. Mm-hmm. So I picked uh, the colors I wanted to use ahead of time. And I did them in watercolor. But the process was just like I would start laying out lines and let the lines and the color dictate the rest of the painting. So as you start, you start to form uh, pieces of it. Um, so that's why I did last weekend. So I don't know my rules for this mm-hmm. weekend yet. But um, that's what I've been doing to kind of work on that, that... Uh, you know, working on being okay with it and not being perfect mm. or anything like that. I set rules and then yeah. try to break them. That's good insight. <clears throat> I think it's like same thing with entrepreneurship too. If we uh, have this vision and we want to put it out there, but we try to refine it and keep refining, overthinking it, it never actually ends up getting right. out there. And I think that's what a lot of issues we have too with Syracuse. We were talking about like, we have so much talent, but it's not getting out there. And I think it's a lot of it is because people aren't putting it out there. Right. Because yeah. of that judgment of like, right. oh, how people will think and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Like, I know I know one, uh, I guess, group of creatives. Uh, I don't want to like, I guess, kind of generalizing a little bit because it's like for the majority of the people I've been around, uh, music producers, it's like a chronic disease almost mm-hmm. amongst all of them. And I, I'm sure anyone who's listening probably w- knows someone who, who does the same thing, but it's making a lot of like half finished songs and then just leaving them in like <laughs> the files and just never like finishing them. And it's like, that's cool. But like, this is a really cool song. You should finish right. it. And they're like, ah, I don't know. Right. I'm not on it anymore. And I'm like, yeah. ah. Where they just keep expanding on the same one and never actually get it <laughs> Right, it's that perfectionism. But, yeah, like. but I have some paintings like that too. I mean, I have paintings that like I started and then, you know, I you get to a block. It's a mm. block. Yeah. And then like once you're over that block, you're, you've moved on. It just, right. You know, I have a couple hidden behind a dresser. I'm like, I've moved on from those. Like I'll reuse the canvases or something or, um, but, or sometimes you come back to them two years later and you're like, wow, that's really nice. Yeah, I think uh, Igor said it best. Um, he said that, because um, we asked him about like, well, how long does it take you normally to finish your paintings and all this stuff? And he's like, well, like, what really is like finishing a painting? <laughs> right, he's yeah. like, He's like, the way I see like finishing a piece of art is like, it's kind of like you're like, 
putting it to you're like laying it to rest like it's like <laughs> r.i.p to this piece right might as well put it in a graveyard it was like he's like i see um art galleries as like graveyards for for ooh, paintings yeah. and i was like ooh, that's actually like an eerie way of putting it it's true though it's like it's done you, yeah. what are you gonna touch it again right like, i have a big one on my wall at home and it's like uh the star wars droids on a beach and it was one of the first paintings i did so it's like not for sale it's mine but Mm -hmm. i've gone back to it three times in the four years that i've had it um and it's really cool because every time you go back to it you've learned new skills Mm -hmm. um and the great part about oil paints is you can just keep going on top of it um so every time I, i like i said i've taken it down three times now and it's pretty much about due but i'm not ready yet um but yeah just take it down and continue to work on it and add details and ideas change a little bit yeah there's i i sold a piece over the pandemic and every day like in the moment it was like oh this is great because i just got some money and i need it at the time but at the same time i was like i really wish i had the opportunity to hang out on my wall and like just keep it for myself for a while because like i don't know if i was fully ready for it to be out into the world (laughs) yeah so yeah i've had pieces like that um i actually sold a piece to uh past uh jesse chick from past Mm -hmm. um we went to school together so that's kind of funny (laughs) um but yeah so i was showing at mccarthy mercantile and she i had this piece that i had painted like at the beginning of when i started painting and it's called the jellyfish blower and it's a girl blowing bubbles but they turn into jellyfish oh, that's cool right uh that was like my soul it was a piece of me and i could never let it go and then jesse chick comes along and she loves jellyfish mm-hmm. and she connected with it and you can see that connection and and it was time to let it go that was the most peaceful send-off for a painting i've yeah. ever had Um, Because typically, I don't really want to sell my pieces. Uh, My best friend has worked with me for a couple of years to like let go of things. She's like, no, you need to let it go. It needs to go. Um, She suggests things like make sand art and just swipe it away. Like Mm. things that aren't permanent to be able to let them go. I think that's a good like, uh, what's the word? It's um, God, I can't think of it. It's Like like naturalistic art. No, in terms of like, uh, it's like a discipline thing with your mind, being able to like... Accept that nothing is permanent. Right, exactly. Because I think like, that's like an issue for like hoarders, for example. They think they see value in every little thing that they're not willing to part ways with it. And it's like, you don't really need any of that stuff. Right, yeah. Yeah, becoming at peace with with letting go of things can be so beautiful. And especially, like, as an artist, you know, you're constantly creating stuff, and it's like if you will hold on to it, you're going to run out of space for the new stuff. (laughs) So, yeah, but it's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just like, I don't know. So my problem right now is that, like, what I'm willing to let them go for because I love them so much is not (laughs) the market Syracuse is willing to pay Mm. for them. So, yeah, I have about 60 paintings in my house. Like. I probably have oh, 40 to 50 oil paintings and probably, I don't know, so many watercolors. What's your price range? What's what's the minimum for a painting? So it depends on uh, sometimes I need money. Sometimes I don't need money. Um, but it depends. I run sales when I've held on to things for too long and it's time to clear stuff out. So like 
typically you can get them from anywhere from $80 to $300 when they're on sale. Otherwise, it's typically like $1 to $4 a square inch, uh, depending. So, like, I have this, again, picture-perfect portrait of Greta Thunberg. Yeah, and I saw I'm, that. I was, I was going to mention that at one point. Yeah, that's – so it can't go anywhere. I don't want it to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. That was, like – that is the tightest, best portrait mm. I have ever done. Yeah, and like, really thank you. It it means nothing to me too. Like it, it's a <laughs> milestone that I hit, but I have no emotional attachment to it besides being perfect. Yeah. Like it's the sick thing in my head, the perfectionism. And I'm like, nope, that was when I hit perfect. I don't care about the painting. My painting means nothing, but the it's, process that right. I took to get there, yeah. that's where all the value is for me. I think that's such a big key. I think a lot of people who, like, I could, like, people want to, like, dabble in art or stuff. It's, like, they think more about the end product and less about, like, the actual process to get there. Right. And I think, like, that part is where you learn so much more about oh, yourself yeah. than, like, the end thing. That, yeah. So I started doing, like, abstract work, and I was, like, wicked against abstract for a long time but in this like journey to become looser and my more like authentic artistic self and to have that artistic voice I started doing abstract and so I started by like I would listen to music and feel the music and figure out how I felt and then correlate it with colors um so I did the song the Dave Matthews song Gray Street I did four paintings on that song alone. Wow. Like I just listened to it over and over and over again, like, like a crazy person. <laughs> um, but I have these four awesome abstract pieces that are just amazing. Uh, and then from there I was able to like extrapolate the music part. And so I just did this like three foot by four foot canvas and it's, it's completely abstract, but what it is is it's, it's how our stories are told. So it almost looks like smoke like it starts mm. off really small and then smoke like billows out like mm. a story. When you tell a story, it evolves over time. And then it's got like these fractured parts in it because our stories become fractured, but nothing ever really dies. It just evolves yeah. and grows and just moves on. on yeah. And so to learn how to do that, like that was really cool. That's mm. a cool exercise. Yeah. It say. made me really appreciate abstract, which I didn't before. <laughs> You think there's a way you can apply that into regular everyday life? That that teaching from a, the abstract oh, painting? I don't know. I mean, there's got to be. Because it's like something you got, like thinking of something that you like know exists, but you don't like the idea of it necessarily. And then like right. pushing yourself to like do it anyway. Right. So, so part of that abstract piece was about taking, it's called the end of absolute which I love because they're like to end absolute is an end. Like it's, it's absolute in its own statement. Mm. Um, but there is no absolute. And that's a really hard concept for us to, right. to accept that. Like there is no black and white. We, mm. we want that structure again and there is no black and white. And so part of the practice in that was like the, the problem solving for me, was to be able to convey that there is no end, there's evolution, without mm. making it scary. Yeah. So I... it's like these purples and these pink colors. So through the colors, it's more comfortable, but the concept on a whole is really hard for human beings to understand. Yeah. I think that's why I think like the loving the process thing is so much more important than the actual finished product because like 
if you're constantly just going to finish a product, you finish and then you maybe you get that like initial like excitement or whatever emotions and and hormones that kind of go on when that happens and then like quickly you realize like that's fleeting right and then you're like uh panic mode what do i do now (laughs) right whereas like instead of focusing on that you're focusing more on just like the journey and learning stuff about yourself and your skill sets you get way more like of a fulfillment Right. Yeah. And the other Mm. thing that I found, too, through the pandemic is, again, exposing those vulnerabilities. So talking about that process for artists, that's how you engage people. That's how you get people Mm -hmm. to enjoy what you're doing, even if they're not artists or they're, you know, they're fresh to art. It's it's connecting on that emotional level to uh, this is a hard concept for all of us to understand. This is how I interpret it. Mm. Yeah. And that, that connection has served me very well. Yeah. Instead of just being like, ooh, look at me, I can paint. It's like, I went through this process because right. of this, and this is what happened. And people are like, a lot more interested in like how you got to there as right. opposed to just, here's a painting. Right. Yeah. And yeah, they, there's more connectability in our, in our human nature uh, than just in like, I painted this, take a look. Yeah. Uh, I stress that a lot with artists. I'm like... Be, be vulnerable, like be honest and be genuine and be vulnerable and you will connect with your people. You will find your people that way. Yeah. I like, um, yeah, that's a good point. Cause it's not necessarily trying to attract to the mainstream crowd. It's just trying to, as an artist, connect with people that most authentically align with who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think we get too wrapped up into that thinking of like, Oh, we need to get so many followers, blah, blah, blah. But it, no, it's like, okay, there's going to be people that hate it and you just right. got to be okay with that. But right. the ones that do love it, you will truly like connect with. Right, right. And the other thing is, is that people who hate it just fuel it even more. So accepting that like, like that mm. balance, like hate is, is, it's an emotion and it's valuable and it's validating and it can be good. And it connects to the people that you are connected with already. It creates this like tribalism kind yeah. of force. <laughs> oh yeah, people get very like, I don't know. They'll people... like start like defending you <laughs> without yeah. you asking. They're like, hey, yes. <laughs> you're like, <Yes>. all right. <laughs> and and either way, it's like any publicity is good publicity when it yeah. comes to like things you're doing. Right. At least that's how I deal with the anxiety in my head. I'm like, it's okay because mm-hmm. there's some value in this. So just ignore yeah, it and definitely. <laughs> it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, art is such an interesting, like just facet of the world. Right. We need and more of it. Yeah. yeah and you know what? I think it's, it's crazy to me that whenever you like hear about budget cuts anywhere, it's always music and arts that gets cut first. Right. And you're like, this is so much more important than your right. stupid science class. Right. right. I get that though. Okay. So this is kind of on the contrary. <laughs> like, because art is something that is so personalized. Like we don't need some system telling us that we need to do art. So in a sense, it could be a good thing. Cause then it's like more empowering to each individual being like, oh, it's not this, like, standardized thing of way right, of doing it. Right, but you it, still but... need to fuel that flame. Mm, right. True, yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, too, like, I think, if anything, it should be less about, like, structuring the art and making it more, like, just an accessibility thing. Right, Because, yeah. like, you know, we're talking about kids with who just don't have the resources to really right. do that stuff. Right. Having it in a school is so important because mm. those kids wouldn't have it any other way. Right. So, 
that's why I'm like, I'm always just so like hurt when it's like, oh, they're cutting this for now or whatever. And it's like, no, like right. you can't, like they need right. it. Yes. Cause Otherwise like, no. we'll all end up the same and we'll just be <laughs> like, do you, are you Star Cookie Trek cutter. fans? I've, I've watched a little oh, bit. I'm not, I I've watched way too much Star Trek, <laughs> but like the Borg, that's my okay. favorite episode. They're like a community, they're like cookie cutter all the same, but they're all wired brains into like one another. Reminds uh, me of something from Rick and Morty. <laughs> Those like the simulation people. Yes, like, kind yeah. of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the Borg, they're just all attached and they consume people and add them to their Borg unit <laughs> and they all think as one and... Mm-hmm. They have individual voices, but they work for the collective whole and just like a massive group think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the no motions, just like robot, like must destroy. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like when, that's how you break people, is what I've learned. Like, oh yeah, like just through like the crazy like political atmosphere we live in, and everything. I've like learned a lot about like why are people falling into these like belief systems. And it's, like, to a degree, like, you you believe – it's, like, a – you know, it's, like, baby steps into it. And yeah. it's, like, a mass manipulation of breaking people into not thinking individually. Right, and, right. And that's, like, when you can, like, control them at that point. And oh, it's, yeah. it's, like, scary. Cause and I'm that like, leads us to an unfree world. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. why I'm, like, whenever you talk to, like – hippie people people are doing art and creativity like they're just very free like spirited thinking for themselves and it's like ah we can't lose this right right and yet there's another whole aspect of human beings that are like we must like quiet this yeah this is you know they're thinking freely and they want things and rights and let's maybe make them a little quieter but (laughs) also you have to realize that uh any set belief it could be a good belief at one point but if everyone gets pigeonholed to that one set belief then it just gets skewed <laughs> yeah that yeah. anything that's hierarchical it could be a good thing to be start with but just because one person or group of people is in control it ends up being a corrupt thing right because we're because humans we're that's humans. what we do we're really good at messing yeah. everything up. right <laughs> right we're we're fun yeah, we are fun <laughs> Like, but. humans can do really outstanding things and also some really <laughs> terrible things. Right. I always find it so, like, it's a lot easier to think about us as, like, people and our effects on society when you remove yourself from it. Mm. So when you say, like, humans are this, like, we are animals. We, we're animals, like, to our core. Um, and being able to say, like, well, hum- it's human nature. Like, we do have natural habits, and you know it's good and bad right yeah. good mm-hmm. and bad they serve us purposes or they used to serve us purposes but yeah it's in our nature to like to be selfish mm. so yeah. like and just, it can be a good thing sometimes right it serves yeah. us well sometimes but but we also you know need to think a little more altruistically yeah yeah that because that's like one thing that differentiates <clears throat> humans from other animals is that we think a lot more about like the collective good a lot of the time i mean not every i shouldn't like generalize <laughs> all humans don't but like a lot of people do right and, right you know other animals well, we like we're social yeah we like community and we like that sense of it but again it harkens back to to the political stance like we like community and we like to be right and we like to feel <laughs> fulfilled so it's easy to fall into traps that might not be right because that's yeah. where we find our validation 
I've noticed though, like even like with the current political atmosphere, that it's almost as if every like fifty. 50 to 100 years is like a cycle of this divisiveness happening and then it like gets scary for a while <laughs> and then like you know so it like boils up to an event and then it kind of dissipates and then people kind of chill out for a right. while well we need to be reminded of how uh horrible we can be i think so yeah it, it's that thing like the farther you're removed from something the more you don't experience it or understand it and yeah. that's why like growing up outside the city you don't understand systematic racism because you didn't have you had racism but you didn't see it because like everybody i went to school with was white mm. so yeah. you don't know it exists you think you, the world is perfect because that's the vision you have you turn the news on and all they talk about is violent crimes happening in right. the city right and, and like... then you're scared of the city like i was scared mm. of the city for so yeah. long and now i'm like why like i mean things happen but you have a denser population things are going to happen yeah so yeah. things have bad things happen everywhere you know? right right it's like, but it's that that you know the farther you are from something the more you don't experience it and you it's just you, a lack of understanding right you fail yeah. to understand it yeah so it's almost as if our society kind of teaches like or like creates this sphere of like closed-mindedness and it just makes like, like perpetuates very bad issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, like through sharing our vulnerabilities and our experiences, we can become more open-minded and knowledgeable people. Yeah, um, definitely. And definitely with the internet too. I think that's helped. It's been a bad thing in Everything's certain aspects. Everything's good and bad. Yeah, but. Every- it's also connected us to right right we have we want to be doing a podcast if it wasn't for right, the internet right i wouldn't know i wouldn't have 30 plants if it wasn't mm. for the internet and being able to <laughs> find everything out like it has its purpose and its place it's it's the human nature of like being able to separate mm. like when it doesn't have its place it yeah. needs to be a tool right it can't control us. The, right. tool, the, the tool can't control us yeah. right Otherwise, then it just becomes sen- sentient and mm. it takes over us. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Which, oh. That's another rabbit hole. I would love to go down, <laughs> but it's like a five-hour ordeal. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a never-ending ordeal. Yeah. Yep. It's like AI is taking over. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the algorithms. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think about that a lot. I'm like, I go to bed seriously scared about AI taking over. Yeah. <laughs> It's already, it's already like embedded yeah, yeah. in us at this point. They know they're gonna start giving you like ads on your phone for, yeah. the, you know, how to fight off the AI. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I, watched... I sometimes think we're in a simulation, and I, I've talked to Andy about this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've, I've actually made one. videos about this stuff. And, um... That's that's a good one though, because how yeah. how do you know otherwise? Mm. It's like Rick and Morty, they did it in Rick and Morty. How did he know? I mean, yeah. genius, and he barely knew. Yeah. yeah. It's possible. It could be like the AI already controls us because we're in the simulation. Right, right. But then what does it matter? Mm. We're living our best lives, I guess. None of it matters. I told somebody that the other day. That's why I always say, like, I always get, like, worked up about random stuff or, like, I overthink. I'm like, oh, this person probably thinking this about me because I did this. And then... That's anxiety. Yeah. The anxiety <laughs> happens. And then I'm like. Which is a natural response. Right. Yeah. It's okay. I, I think everyone has anxiety. And, yeah. Like I like, said, everybody yeah. has it. And I, I'm just like, I was pretty bad, like coming out of college. Like I, I wasn't necessarily as confident in myself as I am now, but when it happens, I'm always just like, 
why am I getting so like worked up about like this thing? I'm like, who cares? (laughs) Like at the end of the day, I'm going to live for X amount of years and then I'm going to die. Right. And then no one's maybe a couple people who are alive, who knew me at the time, like will care about my existence or what it was, but like, who cares? Right. Like, well, and also, like, the bigger <laughs> impact you make on things, so, like, do the ridiculous things, that story, going back to, like, stories grow and evolve, like, you know, 100 years from now, you could have been a giant. Like, people mm-hmm. tell yeah. the story of the giant that had a podcast and <laughs> right, <laughs> just evolve and turn into weird things, and then you're a legend. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's one thing I have been really happy about is like having something like a podcast or well living in a digital age and having like these avenues is like taking advantage of it is so awesome about like keeping your legacy alive Mm. if you will because like some people don't have like that kind of thing that's gonna follow their like who they were right there are people Mm. out there who don't do anything yeah i'm like how do they live with themselves like not just like in a negative or positive way, but I cannot sit with myself that right. long and do nothing. Right. And it's <laughs> I like get bored. I mean, I guess some people are just okay. Like dying, knowing like, that's it. Like right. no one's ever going to talk about you ever again. Right. Maybe they like go past your tombstone. Like, Hmm, what year did they die? You know, <laughs> like I've done that. I've gone to like the Oakwood cemetery and I just walk around. I'm like, I don't know anything about any of these people. And right. I'm sure they all have very interesting stories, but it's just like, they didn't do anything memorable enough. Nobody I guess. wrote it down. Yeah, right. Created a podcast about it. <laughs> Ooh, that, that's one thing I get like weirded out about is that like when we die, all of our stuff and content is still going to be on the internet, and it's like we're going to be living on in the digital right, world. Right, so <laughs> yeah. much more than like before. Yeah, yeah, way more than before. You know, it's something I think about with my kid. Like when I put his pictures on social media and stuff, like or mm. send them to family and. Like, it's something that you have to consciously think about. Like, is this something that, like, my kid is going to be embarrassed that I said 20 years down the road? Oh. Like, yeah, you got to think about those long-term effects. Yeah. You ruin Yolo. a kid's life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, kid shit, did I just ruin my, my, On that note. <laughs> my kid in, like, 20 years is going to hate me for this? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So we're almost at two and a half hours. Wow. Um, was there anything that we didn't cover? That no, I feel like about? we covered many things. Yeah. It's pretty uh, expensive. I think we, yeah, a lot yeah, of good stuff. this is a really good conversation. <laughs> I, I was going to mention, like, I, I noticed that your podcasts are more like in the half hour to 45 minute range. Um, yeah. and we want the distance. We, we, always, <laughs> I know. we always go the distance. It's, it's kind of just like how we do. But I... I what I like about, uh, I like both ways of doing it. Like, I like how you can, like, break yours into two parts. And, like, that's a way for p- people to digest it. Mm-hmm. And I, I've noticed, like, it doesn't, no, I guess it doesn't necessarily matter which way you do it. Because, yeah. like, one way or another, like, it's like a book. Yeah. For example, mm-hmm. you start reading a book, you're not going to read it all in one night. Right. Some people might. But, like... For the most part, you know, you put your right, chapter like, marker in and you Right, walk like away. yours, I've only listened to so many episodes because they're so long. Mm-hmm. I listen in the car or when I mm-hmm. have a free moment, but I can only listen to them for like 20-minute increments. Yeah. And that's cool. Like, and it's it just fun. Take, yeah, it just takes longer to listen to them. Yeah, it's a journey. Exactly. I, the way I like to look at ours <laughs> because they are so long is like, 
not many podcasts are set up this way yeah where it's just super free form like th- there's no like right or wrong topic to talk about and it really just gives each individual person a chance to really just talk a lot about the things they want to talk about yeah. and not just specific like i'm just going to talk about how i paint and that's it right it's like right. i want this to be like a log so like later down the line <laughs> someone looks you up on the internet they, right. here's a here's like a right. lot about who you are and you can really get a yeah. good like feel for who that person is yeah i think you two might know more about me than most people <laughs> at this point mm. we talked about that too it's like literally in a one sitting conversation like we connect more with that yeah. our guest than maybe some childhood friends that we yeah had. oh yeah and it's like, yeah no wow. so most of the people i went to school with don't know half the things mm-hmm. i'm doing now so uh yeah yeah, it's yeah. just I don't know. I think and and that's why I get excited about doing the podcast, and I, I'm sure you get excited about doing yours. Is it it creates conversations that you don't get to have on a daily basis, right? Yeah. Right. Who wants to talk about conspiracy theories and <laughs> in, in art like me? But yeah, but I've definitely been in those awkward conversations where I've talked too long about coffee, and people are like, "I'm over this." Yeah, and I'm like, "It's been ten minutes. There's so much more." <laughs> it, it's it's kind of crazy to think like. That's where the connections make. Like yeah. that when we actually have true human connections, right. on, you need to have long form conversations like this. Yeah, it's yeah, so well, beneficial. I, I just had the thought. Like I've noticed that. Like it, if you're conversating with friends and say you're like walking to go get lunch while you're at work, you say you work with some coworkers, you go get lunch and you talk, but like you're not getting like very deep into that conversation. Right. You're talking about kind of trivial stuff, and yeah. it's just like kind of past the time. But like. In order, sometimes in order to have like a deep conversation like this, you have to like plan it. It's like, all right, we're gonna yeah. sit down and talk. <laughs> like, right. We're gonna do this. <laughs> Here's what we're talking about today. Yeah. Be prepared. Yeah. We're going to evolve from this conversation, but these are the points. Yeah, I definitely like that. And I, I feel like the more like, you know, people like you do your expand your podcast, we expand ours, like doing um, something else to add to this artist. Uh, whatever you want to call it task force or whatever <laughs> is like doing uh live events for the general public to it's like yeah all these people have been on each other's shows and they all know each other so they you know are able to communicate well with each other right. and can talk about and like hit on themes mm. and and really share insightful information yeah with people. that's gonna be a cool thing like once the uh, covid precautions end and we can actually have events like networking with your network and then trying to get people involved and yeah. stuff and just like yeah. having the podcast and being so open and vulnerable with each other it, it's going to create this like community that's like yeah just better connection right yeah. right exactly because now my head goes like i want to have these deep conversations where do i go mm. i come here yeah 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 exactly and, and everyone like, who comes on our podcast that's like the expectation kind of to right open up and have deep so it's like they already know that like i don't know it's just cool how it's all gonna play been, out yeah <laughs> especially like people who like come in nervous which happens you know oh, yeah. I, I feel like more people than not who come on a show have never been on a podcast so they overthink like what's gonna happen how i'm gonna right, feel right. and then like after like 10 minutes they're like they forget that they were on a podcast <laughs> and they're like whoa that was like really awesome right like, yeah it's not that bad we're no. just having like a, a conversation warp. yeah, yeah. The time warp. <laughs> Especially yeah exactly we built like a little spaceship and we're, like, <laughs> <laughs> we got had to you know, <laughs> yeah. get the scenery and everything yeah um well where you i think you already shared what you're on uh, 
your handles are, but do you want to just reshare like where people can sure. find you and like anything cool that's coming up for you in the coming months? Yeah. So you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at LDAK Creative. My website is www.ldakcreative.com. Um, that's pretty much it. Like I think right now I'm super swamped with the TV show thing and with my podcast, uh, you know, pay attention for the podcast stuff. Definitely, like, as we move forward with the TV show thing, like, support that because that is going to benefit Syracuse in such a lovely way. That's really it. Where can people find your podcast? Uh, so it's the Cafe Kubal's Artist Series podcast, and it's on, like, Spotify, Anchor, um, Apple Music, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. Super cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Glad so, to have you on. Before you. before we let you go, because we have to do this, and I know you kind of hit on it at some point in the podcast, but maybe we can get an even, I guess, a, an expanded answer on this. But we always ask our guests one question to end the show. And that question is, what does it mean to you to be human? Oh, it means to make mistakes mm. and to be okay with them. I love that answer. Yeah. You, so we got two answers from her out of this one. I, I, I'm gonna have to like when we like listen back to it, I'll have to find. We'll have to find that spot. But I remember thinking, I was like, "Ooh, that would have been a really good answer to the last question." But that's a good answer. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for hitting us up and being yeah. on the thank show. You. And we look forward to all the cool stuff you're yeah. gonna do. Same. <laughs> awesome. All right. Ready. Ready. Three, Three two, two, one. So there you have it. Thanks again for tuning in to Bindalism, a philosophy to self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to explore other episodes of Bindalism on our Spotify and Apple podcast. You can find more Boho Hobo stuff on Instagram and Twitter at Boho underscore Hobo underscore, as well as on our Facebook page at Boho Hobo Lifestyle. It'd also be dope if you could subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Our YouTube channel has more episodes from Bindalism in video form, along with other random shenanigans that we're up to. We're constantly filming new experiences, so it's one way you guys can stay up to date with us in our journey. So yeah, I guess that's it for now. Until next time, peace.